0: Is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with
1: Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Lots to get to coming out of a very, very busy sports weekend. And looking forward to looking ahead to the final dozen games of the Winnipeg Jets season with the playoff hopes pretty much fully extinguished after That home ice lost to the Los Angeles Kings on Saturday night. Uh, The team was off yesterday. We're back at practice today. Welcoming back Kyle Connor and Nate Schmidt. We're going to talk Jets with uh, Scott Billick coming up and Mike McIntyre as well as we get into the program. And, of course, one of my favorite weeks of the year. It is Masters Week. We'll have plenty of Masters content over the course of the next three days before we tee it up at Augusta on Thursday. And today, our old pal, the Aussie, Dubsy, Mr. Dubsy, Dubs Anderson's going to join us. So um, we've got a packed show getting to it. Um, Hey, before we bring Michael Remus in, a big thank you to the sponsors that make this show happen, including our newest sponsor, Wallace & Wallace. Great to have them on board, along with F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend Country Club, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Canadian club, Cool Bet Canada, and cannot wait this summer to get out to Aikens Lake a little later on. We'll tell you more about that in the days and weeks to come. Let's get things going and welcome in everybody in the chat, everyone listening on the podcast later on this afternoon, and uh, welcoming in the star of the show, Michael Remus, the CTO. Remo, what's up? How was your weekend, dude?
2: Great, great weekend, Huss. I did enjoy WrestleMania. For two, oh, net, for two nights, uh, really took you know watching Stone Cold Steve Austin. I, I don't want didn't want to get to it right away. but you asked me how the weekend was, but I was just walking around the house laughing this morning <laughs> to myself, thinking of Stone Cold giving Vince seventy six year old Vince McMahon the stunner last night, and um, I was like, "Why are you laughing?" I am like, "I am just thinking about uh, WrestleMania," so I am in a good mood today. Um, it did take my mind off the Jets' loss though Saturday. If you were When you said the Jets' playoff hopes fully extinguished, we've kind of been watching the percentages on the sites. You know, Money Puck, 538, The Athletic. um, You know, we were clinging to 9-10% for a while. Yeah, I looked today and Money Puck has uh, 1.1% playoff odds for The Jets and The Athletic has 1%. So it's going to be an interesting final few games how The Jets approach it here. But coming into the season, I think we we did not see this as a possibility. No, um, no. I mean, you know, it yeah.
1: wasn't supposed to be like this. Andrew Kopp wasn't supposed to be traded because the team was supposed to nope. be a playoff team. We're going to need him for a playoff run. And I mean, as I've said on the show before, I mean, I think the realist in me has sort of come to come to grips and have been at peace with where the Jets are. And that's why, I mean, it wasn't you know the the losses to the leafs and the uh, los angeles kings were you know essentially just maybe a big time reality check um because you know the team had won what five of six they had those three in a row i mean none of them were picassos and they were somehow getting two points and that's what it was all about at that time um but when you had that two nothing lead against the leafs and see that game just capsize on you um and then saturday night's game remo i know we've heard a lot of people talk about it and i think it was quite clear to anybody that was at the game um, that you know a very common story that we've heard numerous t- numerous times so far this season about the Winnipeg Jets. where was the urgency? where was the sense of desperation where was the where was the team that needed to be prepared to go up against a team that's in the playoffs right now and play for their lives like they were in a playoff game, and you know unfortunately that just did not happen. It was another very pedestrian first period by the Winnipeg Jets on Saturday night. For that matter, I did think they got better throughout the game. Um, certainly, they put more pucks on net. And they didn't have the, uh, you know, they they closed the gap a little bit. Um, but overall, it wasn't enough. And, um, you know, I know Dave Lowry talked about it after the game. I mean, these are 60-minute batches. And the Jets uh, it, are not good enough to play half a game, two-thirds of a game against quality competition and expect to win night and night out. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, that that is a, one of the, calling cards of this hockey team that, um, you know, is, you know, makes you scratch your head. Um, you know, you wonder where that is, where it was, you know, in some of these important games, but the the bottom line, just another reason why, uh, we won't be talking about NHL playoff hockey at Canada life arena coming up this spring.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, you go back, I think the moment where it really seemed like, okay, this isn't a playoff team you know, goes back for me was that Monday in February after, you know, you had the weekend overtime, loss. you know, you beat Minnesota, you had the weekend uh, overtime loss to Dallas, which at the time seemed, you know, was what the second one or the first one. And then you had the win against Nashville and you're like, okay, let's go on a run here. And you're playing Chicago. And then they kind of laid the egg, laid the egg against Chicago. And and we've been kind of holding on 10% because it's to be fair, it's more fun talking about, you know, what's possible than, you know, we'll have plenty of time to talk about, you know, the failed season, um, you know, during the offseason and throughout the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, Saturday, Saturday's game was just a game that we've seen before where, you know, they get off to a poor start, they get behind, and then, you know, the switch flips and, you know, they try to make a great comeback. They had a lot of quality chances. Cal Peterson was really good. And they fall just short. And I think we've seen that script of a game from them many times. And it was definitely, you know, it was, I guess if you're at the game, maybe you're entertained by all the chances. But the end result was you did not win. Uh, the Jets went 0 for 6 on the power play, although one of the goals was like right after time expired. And it was from the second power play unit, which is getting like no ice time anyways. So, yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, again, it, was just, it seemed like a story that we've seen before from them and, and just another, another notch on the disappointing season. I'll say this about the power play. Um, you know, it did look different with
1: Nikolai Ehlers being in that group. And again, it wasn't any more successful um, as far as actually scoring. But I will say this, Remo, I, I think that, I mean, to me, coming out of that game and, you know, spending a couple beers afterwards before getting into the, uh, into the squared circle and just thinking about, know, looking ahead to these final dozen games and into the offseason to me maybe the number one thing outside of what core piece changes assuming that the Winnipeg Jets decide to do something like that and I think we know my position on it how do they find a spot for Nikolai Ehlers to get the most out of Nikolai Ehlers and I'll speak to both the power play and, um, you know, where he fits in the, in the lines. And I know they've been going back to Scheifele and, and Ehlers. And at times that's looked okay. At times it's looked, you know, just, you know, just not clicking on the same page. Um, and Dave Lowry switched it up to the point where Nikolai Ehlers at a number of times, you know, has been playing with Adam Lowry on what is the quote-unquote third line. Um, regardless of what happens in these final 12 games, going into next season, I think the Winnipeg Jets have to find a way much like they did a very good job this year of getting the most out of Kyle Connor um, with Nikolai Ehlers, because he is too good and too important and too much of a difference maker for the Winnipeg Jets, um, you know, to be playing, you know, in the teens uh, every night while you do have other players that, you know, are being relied on, you know, for 20, 22, 23 minutes. And, I think we've seen what a difference Eilers has made to the lineup since he got back into uh, into it after missing a quarter of the season and certainly when you're doing an autopsy of this year the lack of 27 in the lineup for that period of time was certainly uh, you know a big part of why uh, you know the Winnipeg Jets came up with a few less wins um but to me with where he is right now in his career such a difference maker um you know whoever is pushing the buttons behind the bench next year I think that needs to be right at the top of the list of things to do. Get the most out of Nikolai Ehlers, find him a home on a line in that top six and play him accordingly.
2: Yeah. I think, isn't that what we were saying in the off season, you know, leading into this season. And I think the team, they've kind of been stuck a bit of an, I don't want to say identity crisis, but they're kind of, it's kind of clear that, you know, Connor Dubois were the number one line. And they weren't getting played like that. Now Kyle Connor is. But Dubois, I mean, he's playing like he's the number one center, but he hasn't been getting the ice time uh, like he's the number one center. And I think you could agree. I mean, Nikolai Ehlers as well should be elevated with the ice time. So they're kind of, I think, the biggest change easy to make is giving Dubois, you know, Connor making them the one line. Do you play Ehlers with them? Do you load it up? I, I don't i've got a lot of time for that
1: i mean when we saw them earlier i mean and i think you know we talked about this on the show once that line came together and had a couple real strong units i mean it was hard not to think okay this is the future of the winnipeg jets when this team drops the puck next season this is going to be that line um i'll say this and again who knows how long you know this you know this continues but Wheeler's looked awesome on that line. I don't know of anyone that can, you know, kind of point to Blake Wheeler and his play since playing, since splitting up with Shifley and playing with Dubois and Connor that, you know, that he hasn't looked good in that spot. Um, but as far as getting the most out of Nikolai Ehlers and giving yourself the best chance to win, I mean, I think there is an argument to have, you know, the Connor and Ehlers split between those top two lines. Um, problem is right now that the Shifley line you know, has had their warts and issues. And, you know, it's been a revolving door a little bit, especially since, um, you know, Wheeler moved off of his line and then Ehlers was taken off. So that spot, the second center position, if Mark Scheifele not part of the mix, obviously a massive, massive, you know, piece of business uh, for them to figure out. But I do think that whatever moves that they make, whatever things that they're doing, you know, you've got Dubon Connor as an incredible linchpin of a top line. Um, do you put Nikolai Ehlers in that group and, you know, load up on that top line? And if you do, who's running in that second unit and also what that does to the third line. I mean, I think these are gonna be topics, maybe more so for the offseason than right now. Um, but I think so much of what we're talking about, Remus, over the next month as the team finishes out this stretch in their final 12 games is not gonna be about, you know, whether they finish with 85 or 87 points in the standings. It's gonna be about what does this mean? for the offseason and the huge decisions that the general manager has to make.
2: Yeah, I absolutely agree. And I guess day one of that has, does start today. The team did return to practice after Saturday's game. They had an off day Sunday. We did have some positive news going in. Next game being Wednesday uh, against against Detroit for Connor Hellebuck bobblehead. I mean That'll be exciting. But here are the lines for today. Yes, we did have Connor... With Dubois and Wheeler, and I agree, Wheeler has looked strong, and that goal where he just turns to Mark Giordano is maybe oh. the, one of the goals of the year, and then we have who? Stasny with Scheifele and Healers, Sanford, Lowry, Appleton, Barron, Tony Nato, Svechnikov, and uh, Morgan Barron's come in and looked pretty good, um, you know, coming in uh, on Thursday in the Leafs game, and there's Morrissey, DeMello, Dylan Pionk, Hainala Schmidt, although... Mike and, so Mike and Ken had Hainala as the third pair. Murat had Hainala, or Stanley in there as the third pair. Stanley and Brooks, Mike and Ken had as the extras. Uh, Dave Lowry wouldn't really commit to who's going to be there, so that's something to watch for for Wednesday. But, I mean, as far as Vili Hainala goes, I thought there was times on that power play, the very short power play time he had on Saturday, looked very strong, uh, he assisted on the goal, put the puck <laughs> on net, Adam Lowry in front in position banging it, and that's you know how many goals like that are scored against the Jets and I see the Jets getting one of those uh, greasy goals but uh, you see Hanella's offensive instincts and he's been pretty strong and I mean when he's been in the lineup us he's he's put up points I think four of his last 5 he's got let me just double double check that but he's I think he looked looked pretty good on uh, Saturday. Oh, th- you know what Philly was great on
1: Saturday. I mean that was another big step forward for him and uh and I, I absolutely concur with you on the power play. I mean, listen, I don't know how much it matters when the top unit's spending, you know, 145 or 150 on the ice of everyone. And maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I think we know, especially without Connor, that you know Dave Lowry was gonna ride that number one mm-hmm. unit. Um, but you know, good teams, you know, you need to have a couple power play units. Well, first of all, you need to have one <laughs> that's really functioning, but ideally you're gonna have a couple. And Listen, it's been enough of a struggle just to get the number one unit clicking, um, which it has done quite well at times this season. Other times it looks somewhat stale and need to be freshened up a little bit. Um, But I really do think that you do need to have, you know, more contributions from that second power play unit. Now, I just finished saying that I think it's important to get Nikolai Ehlers more power play time and more opportunity in playing on a line like that. So maybe I'm trying to have it both ways. Um, but I'll say this about Billy Hanlon. This is some of the things that he, these are some of the things that he's done so well at the American hockey league level. Um, and you know what, if you're moving him from the AHL to the national hockey league, it would be good to give him more opportunities to do some of the things that he does well and certainly contribute on the power play is one of those things. And, you know, for a smaller guy, I mean, he's shrewd. He's got good movement to find lanes. And he can get pucks through. And I thought that goal that Adam Lowry scored, albeit after time it expired on the power play, was a perfect example of that, Remus. And you just nailed it. You see these teams score these goals against the Winnipeg Jets like that all the time. It's something that Dave Lowry has constantly been harping about, going to the net, being there, being hard on the puck. Uh, And you know that was a great example of it. And if they've been able to do that a little bit more and more consistently, I think we've seen uh, maybe a few more notches in the win column right now, but um, I'll be fascinated to see how Billy Hanel is used over the course of this past month, because as I mentioned, we're basically in next year territory right now, and he is a big, big part of next year. I think most people would agree. Yeah,
2: I would, I would hope so. Um, you know, the way that, you know, but entry-level deal, the offensive upside, five points in his last uh, six games has. And I agree with I me. Mean, you look at the Kings, they got a lot of shots on net, but and maybe, the, you know, the team would say some of them are from the outside, not exactly threatening shots, but you put pucks on net, they can go in. So they put a puck on net, you know, bounces off Hellbuck, bounces off Morrissey, and that's the go-ahead goal. And, you know, they, they put pucks on and they have guys in front, and that's kind of how teams have been, have been scoring goals on the Jets. Uh, you know, I saw a tweet on the weekend. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. Jay Fresh puts out all the fantasy stats on Twitter. Uh, five versus five expected goals against per 60. So, and if expected goals is basically measuring, you know, how many, if you have a shot that's closer to the net, you know, it's a higher chance of going in. So, and we know the Jets are poor at giving up slot shots. Um, Here's the, here's the chart. Well, there they are at the bottom uh, with the Flyers. Oh God, that's not a good neighborhood to be in. Coyotes, uh, Habs, Blue Jackets, Red Wings. I'm actually surprised the Blues are this low.
3: Yeah, me Um, too.
2: 'Cause this does not account for goaltending. This is basically like who's giving up the worst quality shots. Yeah. At the bottom. So yeah, then you have the, you know, Stens. This is not this is not an area the Jets wanna be in. That's something that's gonna have to get cleaned up. If you want to go anywhere, and then you can talk about needing a depth forward, but if you're giving up, you know, three goals a game, like you're not gonna have success and you see where the Jets are there. They're in an area with a lot of the bottom. Yeah, teams I mean they're twenty
1: eighth of the thirty two, and I mean if you, if you just yeah. take the bottom twenty five percent of that list, Jersey yeah. out, Ottawa out, St. Yeah. Louis in, and then Detroit, Winnipeg, Philly, Arizona, Montreal, and Columbus, basically a who's who are the worst teams in the league in the basement in uh, most divisions around. So, um, you know, it's pretty simple right now. I mean, there's a lot of things that are simple, but. Um, you need to be better in your own end. You, the team needs to defend better, and uh, you know maybe you'll get some better results. Uh, but I'm sure Connor Hellebuck looks at that number and goes, "Yeah,
2: no kidding. I know, I know what you mean. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm feeling that all the time." And well, that's why we say like he's actually for the most part like pretty. Some games I know his goals against is like three, but he has these games where he's the reason why they're even competitive, and they're still losing so as kenny kenny's water bottle just said that's how
1: good Helly has been he stops way more than he has any business stopping <laughs> yeah
2: yeah i i agree i agree too so uh, again i think that's a problem that's gonna have to look in next year i know you look at calgary and his example they bring in you know daryl sutter and it's a completely you know we make a couple of changes giordano that was out coleman in uh they did get to foley at the you know before the deadline, but Calgary, I mean, they're favorites now in the, like, and in, in, make the conference final for sure. And it's amazing to me how, uh, you know, how far Calgary has come since last year. Well, exactly. And that'll be something that, uh, you know, for folks
1: that want more of the status quo or very slight changes, we'll say, uh, Hey, look at Calgary. They were the, one of the most disappointing teams in the league last season. And Daryl Sutter came in and understood what the team needed in the second half of the year after he took over they didn't make huge changes. I mean, they lost their captain Mark Giordano, one of the uh, you know the, the biggest hits when it came to the expansion draft. They signed Blake Coleman. They ran it back, and you know now they're one of the top favorites for uh, for the Stanley Cup. So, uh, although I will say this, I think the appetite for that to happen in Winnipeg probably not quite what it would be in uh, in some other uh, in, in some other locales uh, in and around the league. Uh, Schickster was asking if the Jets have their own first round pick next year. Yes, they do. They've got their own first rounder. They don't have their second rounder, but they do have the Blues second rounder and they've got the Rangers second rounder. And I believe one of them, uh, and and essentially the Jets have the option of taking St. Louis' a second rounder or the Rangers second rounder next year. So we will uh, we'll find out about that. But yes, we'll be talking draft at some point. Uh, but right now there is still some games to get to and Scott Billick's going to join us as well as Mike McIntyre. We'll get their thoughts on the weekend and uh, basically a look ahead to this final section of games for the Winnipeg Jets. What we'll be looking for and uh, what's what moves would be in the best interest of the organization with a dozen left to play remote. One other hockey story on the weekend that we should get to was this business between the coyotes and the, uh, as the Anaheim ducks, Uh major, major code alert in a battle of bottom-dwelling Pacific Division teams.
2: Yeah, well, first of all, what didn't it start Trevor Zegers doing the... Uh, was that a Michigan goal, lacrosse-style goal, around Troy Terry? I mean, beautiful goal. It but... was.
1: Well, first of all, he yeah. was shot, he shot between the legs from a sharp, sharp angle. It got saved. The puck came behind the net as he mm-hmm. went around the net, and that's exactly what he did. He picked the thing up lacrosse-style... And took it around Sonny Milano, who was standing oh, yeah. in front of the net, who basically just had to go on the sideways and popped it in at five nothing. Now that was earlier in the game, with five minutes left, the uh, Ducks were you know still pressuring. There was a puck that Zegers maintains was was loose. He took a shot at it. Goalie covered it up. Ducks didn't like it, or the uh, Coyotes didn't like it. And Jay Beagle goes and gives him a, a pretty solid cross check in the back, in the back. Not anything that. You know was completely over the line you see that all the time now with it being their young rookie star player obviously the other guys in the uh, on the ducks didn't particularly like that a couple guys gave a shove and troy terry line mate of zegris 32 goals on the season um you know gave uh, beagle a a, you know a a shove or like an aggressive move saying hey don't do that and beagle decides to uh, take his gloves off and beat the living hell out of troy terry who never even got his gloves off. Um, if you saw the pictures afterwards, it was pretty ugly, um, you know, massive swelling around his eye, and cut, eyeball, bloodshot. And you know, after the game, Trevor uh, Zegers had some some really strong words, as did Dallas Aiken. But, um, but the, I think the words and this is what we should play Remus, that was the most, I think controversial that got people going was Tyson Nash, the Coyotes' broadcaster who seemed to imply that this was retaliation for the uh, skilling it up and, quote, embarrassing players. You, you want to play that for folks? Yeah,
2: here, here it is. Try to poke it in
4: behind and now Fowler, and now everything's going to happen here and Jay Beagle grabs a hold of somebody. Oh, you knew that was going to start something, and I love it. Yeah, Beagle. Beagle's pounding somebody. Troy Terry. Yeah, Beagle caught him up high. Oh, man. And Beagle's going to fight someone else here. And Terry's hurt. Jay Beagle caught Troy Terry with a couple. Well, that's the problem sometimes with these young players. You want to embarrass guys and you want to skill it up, you better be prepared to get punched in the mouth. Beagle wants to go with Fowler. I think Fowler wants to go with him. I'd love to see him let him go. Boy, I haven't seen Jay Beagle like that all season. He's fired up. I love it. Good for Jay Beagle. He's a veteran player that's been around a long time, and he's watching these young kids dance around these fancy moves.
1: time listen it's embarrassing commentary by tyson nash i get it that there are some people that for whatever reason uh have issues with talented skilled young players doing things that we haven't seen done before but remus i don't know where you're at on this i mean i thought it was bush league that you know troy terry got the crap beaten out of him i mean a guy that's never had a fight 32 goal score by a plug like jay beagle Um, And listen, I understand that, you know, there's some stuff going on. They weren't feeling too good about that. I'm certainly not saying they should have just stood back and done nothing. But that was way extreme. And then for a National Hockey League broadcast to throw out that, hey, if these young kids want to come out and skill it up, you need to be prepared to get punched in the face, is embarrassing for the sport, to be honest with you, from where I'm sitting.
2: Don't score goals that are too nice. You're going to end up like this guy. Yeah, there's the picture of Troy Terry. And yeah, I mean, I can't believe that. You'd say, okay, if you're going to you know, try to win, try to score nice goals and win games, you're going to get beat up. I don't know if that really flies in 2022. But they're mad that he like poked the goalie so you punch a guy's face in who didn't even drop the gloves. Um, the rest of the world is mad yeah. that the Coyotes are filled with plugs
1: like Jay Beagle and are the embarrassment to the National Hockey League and will continue to be for the next number of years as they play in a glorified junior hockey arena out there with a team that will be probably consistently challenging for last place in the league
2: and the first overall draft pick. Yeah, here, I'll take it off the screen. Uh, sorry to everyone in chat, but uh, I mean, pretty, pretty gruesome. I don't think, like, I don't think there's a place for that. I mean, he, he's not even fighting. Yeah, Jay Beagle, I'm going to fourth liner. I'm going to tee off on, you know, a, a 30 goal score. Uh, seems dumb to me. And I, uh, i mean but what do i know Has i never played the game at a pro level so
4: it's possible
2: you're yeah. not
1: you know what not entitled to any sort of opinion you know you can't watch that and think anything of it you just give them your money and take it and mm-hmm. that's just you know you didn't play the game you've got no say in this Ah, oh, give me a break you know I, and i think we've seen a lot of bad takes from my perspective on this i mean for some reason people want to play like, I don't know, play their Don Cherry card or something right now, seeing this is the wussification of hockey, like that used to happen all the time. Well, guess what? The game's improved. Um, The game's far better than it's ever been before, unless the only reason you went to a hockey game was to see guys punch each other in the face. Um, So... Listen, there's some lessons to be learned. I'm not saying that this is, you know, the Ducks and the, the, you know, those young players are completely, you know, um, you know, without any fault in this. I mean, I think Zegers being as aggressive as he was on the puck, up 5 nothing in the third period, you know, you know there's probably a time and place, and it might have been maybe a little smarter to take it easier on that. But you know what? I mean, I, I respect teams that play till the whistle and play till the end of 60 minutes. We just talked about a certain team that could probably uh, use a bit more of that as well. So I'm not going to sit here and say you can't try to score goals in the third period when you've already had a strong game. Um, But to me, I mean, I think the overreaction and the connection to it, the thing that I felt so bad, if we're just talking about a guy, um, I've got that in the years, Remo, if you're uh, if we're just talking about a guy that You know, took a shot at the goalie and the team didn't like it very much. You know, okay. I mean, certainly, I think every team would do that, not to the extent that happened. But the connection of it that this was some sort of overdue penance because the Ducks scored some really nice goals and embarrassed the Coyotes earlier is an absolute joke. As Last time I checked, the object of the game was to score more goals than your opponent. So if you find another way of scoring a goal that goes up onto the scoreboard, uh, that to me is a good thing. And, you know, no one should get punched in the face because the goal they scored was too nice.
2: Yes, uh, very well said. It reminds me of baseball where like some young baseball, Ronald huh. Lacuna Ronald or Bryce Harper will like stare at their home run for like a second too long. And then Brian McCann, old school catcher, comes out and, like, starts a fight. It's so, like, so dumb, I think. So we're not here to see J.B. If Two guys want to fight for, like, a legitimate reason, but I determine if this is a legitimate reason or not. And this, because a guy scored two nice a goal, you don't, I don't think you get to punch him in the face. Uh, Well, he doesn't doesn't you know fight back pretty well and again i don't have
1: the full code in front of me i mean i'm I'm ordering a new copy of it yeah. so we, we can <laughs> uh, we can reference the code handbook a little bit better but i'm pretty sure beating the crap out of a 32 goal scorer that's never been in a fight that was just sort of there um is not quite what the uh the 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 authors of the code originally mm-hmm. intended so uh Anyways, thoughts on that? We'll see what Billick has to say on that. We'll get Remus back in here in a bit, a little bit later on. Mike McIntyre is going to join us a little later as well. And we will get ready for the Masters with Mr. Dubsey before the end of the program. Um, Big welcome again to our friends at Wallace & Wallace who joined us on board the beginning of the month. Um, It is great to have Wallace & Wallace with us. They are Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist. You've seen their fences And trucks all over the city. They've been serving residential and commercial customers here in Winnipeg and leading the way since 1946. Uh, bottom line is if your property needs the security and protection of a new fence, or if winter's done a number on your old one, give them a call. Vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain line, or wood. They've got the right fence for you. And if it's time to replace your garage door, They also have Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Um, Hit them up at Wallace & Wallace, 452-2700. An incredible group of experts are there, including Ben Charles and Mark to arrange a range of time to come on and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off Keniston. Once again, a big welcome to Wallace and Wallace being part of the Winnipeg Sports Talk team. Um, our friends at After Apparel are ready for the summer. Weddings, grads are ready to go and uh, listen, every guy needs at least one suit that fits and looks great. And F has a full line of custom clothing for any occasion, including shirts, suits, dress shirts, chinos, golf pants, untucked dress shirts, shoes, ties, accessories, and more. They are the top choice in Winnipeg for wedding and grad suits. If you have a big event coming up and you need to look great, F is here for you asking them about their option for your wedding party 15% off when the group buys their suits from F Apparel and a great promotion for young Winnipeg high school graduates as well F Apparel 190 Smith Street downtown and online at fephapparel.com and of course our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market continue to be the leaders always stock with Winnipeg's best selection of local organic and natural groceries supplements and beauty products all at great prices with knowledgeable staff trained on trained on these products to help you out and don't forget all the great quick easy and healthy options at the grab and go vita health deli including vita health soups sandwiches wraps and more. Um great local company that's been in business since 1936, 85 years of empowering people to lead their healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations now, including the newest store in Linden Ridge, and check out their new fully shoppable website at myvita.ca. All right, let's get to it. Scott Billick joins us. Now, Billick, what's up? How was the weekend?
0: Uh, you know, better than last weekend when I was extremely sick. So, I'll take a healthy weekend over uh, an unhealthy weekend any day. Yeah, do you get
1: off the list as well, like the rest of us?
0: I I didn't have COVID. I I just about said I wish I had COVID. I I, I thought so. I mean, I've seen like Omicron, and, you know, a lot of people have just said, "Eh, you know, it hasn't been that bad or whatever. So whatever I had, it was horrible. I was just, I was out for like three days. And yeah, I don't know if it's just like, you know, I haven't been sick in like two and a half years, right? I mean, that's kind of. I imagine for a lot of people, I haven't really been sick that much in the last bit, so I wonder if my immune system needed to uh, go on overdrive or whatever to kind of deal with it. But uh, yeah, it was it was rough, but uh, I, I don't think it was COVID. I tested negative several times, but uh, good. Yeah. Well, you're looking
1: and, like a million U.S. tax free. Great to have you <laughs> back in the uh, back in the saddle and back on the program. Mm. Um, you know, I want to talk about the next month or whatever for the Winnipeg Jets with you, but before we do that, I mean thoughts on. Uh, um, you know what we saw on Saturday from uh, from the Jets—another you know pedestrian first period. I thought they got better as the game went on, but you know against good teams sometimes that's not good enough. You can't count on just playing a couple periods. Um, uh, more of the yeah. same from uh, from you.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? You play a pretty good first, um, and then it kind of goes—or sorry, you play a pretty good last half of the game. I shouldn't say first. I'm thinking back to the Toronto game now. But, you you, you know, you finish the last half of the game good. You find that urgency, you know, when you need it um, later on in the game. But it's just not there from the start. I mean, whether they shot like 19 to 6 or something like that in the first period. And, like, I get it. I mean, after the game, Adam Lowry and, and Dave Lowry both said, well, you know, we kept the shots to the perimeter and all that. My biggest issue with that is you had all these shots on goal, so where were you playing most of that period? And you know, the obvious answer is in the defensive zone. And and at the end of the day, none of it really matters unless if you can pull out a win like you did in Buffalo or whatever, right? I mean, you don't have to always play um perfect to, to get the two points, but this Jets team just sewers itself sometimes by by not you know, just playing for at least I mean, even forty minutes would be an upgrade at this point. Um, but they just can't seem to do it, and and so it 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 kind of puts them on the back foot often. And uh, you know, you, you get what you got on, on 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 Saturday, or even in Toronto, right, where the Toronto game you started out good, but then you just ran out of the gas, and, and and you couldn't, you know, get it done. And the problem is, like, yeah, you know, like we get it; it's back to backs, and and you played five and eight, and seven and twelve, and all these numbers that they throw out at us, but. This is the hole you're in, right? I mean, you have to be winning these games. And now the Jets are in this position where it's likely that they have to pretty much run the table. I mean, I know Dallas lost, but they also won in the meantime, too. They won on the night that the Jets lost. And so the Jets are five points back, and, you know, that's the way it is. But these gaps with 12 games to go, it's difficult to get back into this. Um, And you really, I mean, Dallas has a favorable schedule coming up. The Jets have this gauntlet of hell um, coming up on this road trip uh, not this next one but the one where they go through both Florida teams or Rangers and Carolina so it's just you know it, it doesn't look probable at this point and and it's things like Saturday it's Saturday's games it, it's games like the Buffalo one they lost that made Maurice quit and all that stuff right it, it, it there's so many I did a story on I want to say it was over the weekend. Now, just like looking at games where the Jets drop points, and 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 where they could have been if they would have just found ways to not play so poorly at times, and in games that were easy wins that should have been, you know, wins where you lose one nothing to to Arizona, and but you put forty six shots on goal. I mean, those are games you got to win, and and I get it. The other team gets paid to play, and they all say it, and they got skill and all that stuff. But if you want to be a playoff team, you got to beat these teams. The Jets haven't, and it's not looking very good for them. No,
1: no, very clear that there's a lot of things missing from this club <clears throat> yeah. right now, and that'll be, um, you know, that'll all be discussed, and we do like a full autopsy of this season and look into the rest. And listen, you know me, I'm as optimistic oh. of a guy as you'll find. Um, <laughs> I was more than here to keep the uh, keep the light on for the playoffs at ten percent, eleven percent to see what's going on <laughs> after these last couple games. I have turn the lights out and, uh, you know, we're thinking about next year. It's a 1%. Yeah. I mean, prove me wrong. I'd love to sit here and eat crow and we could play this <laughs> over and over again as a freezing cold take. Remember when Huss said it was done. Um, But listen, I don't think we're going to get to that point, which brings yeah. us to these final 12 games. And yes, I know they're not mathematically eliminated and i'm not sure when that will actually happen and just because of the way things work with points i mean it'll probably be a couple of weeks until that officially happens
0: likely that road trip right so, well it, exactly kind of it. Yeah. so
1: here's my question for you scott and we're going to kind of kick this around um, this afternoon um you know what are we looking for in these final 12 games and you know and, and the situation for dave lowry i think is really interesting oh, yeah. i mean I, I you know if you're dave lowry you come in in the situation that he was in i mean i think the sort of the opportunity was there if you can get this thing turned around if you can get this team playing the way people know that they're capable of and you make the playoffs and have a good run i think it's very likely you're probably able to maybe slide into that job and take the interim tag off I mean, with where this season is right now no matter how it ends i don't know how the organization which absolutely needs to sell this team and the future to the fan base after yep. a real disappointing season can roll back with Dave Lowry. Um, but bottom line is he's still got this job for the next 12 games. Um, I mean, first of all, put yourself in Dave Lowry's shoes right now. I mean, yeah. what are you trying to do and what is the goal to come out of these last 12 games, both from yourself and the organization? Because I think they might be different.
0: Maybe trying to get Mark Shifley on your side. I don't know. That might be a start, but I don't know if that's going to work either, but you know, I, I don't know. I, it, it, it's almost like he's in a losing battle that he, he knows he probably can't win. Um, and, you know, apart from going 12 and O here, um, which might save his job, but I, I don't know. There's a lot of coaches on the market this summer and the jets, I, I assume are going to be looking to change how this team is run, who is behind the bench, that sort of thing. Cause you know, the one part of the autopsy of this team is going to be, what do they need to do to kind of, I suppose change the culture in that room. Um, you know, I, I, an actual new voice that's not a recycled, uh, you know, uh, assistant coach or even Pascal Vincent, you know, a great guy, Pascal, but don't think he's the right guy to come in here. But to answer your question, I mean, to the last little bit of this season here, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. What 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 are you sure? I mean, let, you know, let's say you go eleven and one, you know, but you miss out in the playoffs by a point or whatever. I mean, that's still a failure, right? I mean, you you get this great, you know, run and feel good and whatever, but I, I don't know. We haven't seen that. This is a team that struggles to win three games in a row. Never mind, you know, having to put together twelve or maybe you know, let's say if they could give a loss in Dallas, what are like six and five? They're six and four. And, and that sort of thing. I mean, it, it just doesn't seem possible. And so what you need if you're Dave Lowry is to show that you have control of this team and that you can get them to, you know, buy into your systems and all that stuff. But I don't really think that's been the case because part of this team, part of what he does is, you know, get guys to the net and that, but that's so iffy on nights and get consistency out of guys play more than one period like we talked about. And that, that, that hasn't happened yet, right? So... So is it the players that just, you know, are indifferent at this point? Is it, is there a long, you know, I, I mean, I wonder, I, I can't, be you know, I, I shouldn't say I can't wait, but, you know, I'm I I'm very curious at, at garbage day interviews, how much the Paul Maurice walking out on this team really affected, you know, some of the guys in this on, on the roster, because I think it did. Um, you know, I've heard it, it had, I've heard there's a lot of guys that were, a few guys that were affected by how the, you know, the Olympic thing played out and that sort of thing. Um, But, you know, at the same time, I mean, there's guys all over the league that have dealt with coaching changes. I mean, just look at Edmonton or whatever, Vancouver, even, who, you know, have played better under Bruce Boudreaux. Um, I don't think the Jets have really played all that better. I mean, aside from maybe their penalty kill getting a bit better. Um, But, you know, under Paul Maurice, they were scoring more. They were getting more shots on that. It, it, It was better. Under Paul Maurice, which is you know everybody, it, it's funny. Right? You look at some of the, the analytics, and they were better under Paul Maurice, and they have been under Dave Lowry. And everybody wanted Paul Maurice gone, and now you got Dave Lowry here, and it hasn't been any better. I like Dave; he's a nice guy, and I know he's trying to do a certain thing, but it just doesn't seem like there's enough buy-in right now on it. And 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 you know this would have had to happen way back when Paul when Paul quit. Um, and you know, you got a little bit of it there and they've gone on, you know, like four, one, one run and they've, you know, they've won whatever it was, nine of their last 12 or whatever, but it's just, it's, it it hasn't been consistent enough. And that's the biggest problem it seems with coaches now in this city is they can't seem to get, um, a a consistent effort out of these, these guys. So if that's what, if that's what Dave Lowry can do and, and try and sell that for himself, Maybe, but I, I just don't see it. I, I don't I don't see I, I don't see Dave Lowry coming back next year. I think this team needs to go for a coach that knows how to win. And I, I don't mean that Dave Lowry doesn't know how to win, but I'm just saying a coach a proven a guy with a proven track record, I suppose. It's gonna cost you more um as a team, but you know, this is the price of winning or being a contender or even just being a playoff team. You need a coach in here that 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 can look at this team differently than than the ones in the past have now well, at
1: this point. And, and you know what, I mean, listen, and I said this coming out of, you know, when Maurice walked, yeah. you know, into Dave Lowry. I mean, the one, the first thing that comes to mind that I would like to see from this club that I didn't think was consistently there from the top of the bottom to the lineup was accountability. And, and yeah. listen, I agree. It's a lot easier to make an example of a guy on the third or the fourth line Or a young player like Evgeny Svechnikov when he does something dumb and sit him down for a while than it is for the guys that, you know, really are your playmakers that are going to win or lose you the games. Um, But you talk about buy-in. I mean, you know, we've talked a lot about the core. I'm not sure that there's many people that would stand here with us and say they think that Mark Shifley's bought into what Dave Lowry's been preaching. Um, and I do wonder, you know, what that does to the other guys in the room when they see that and, you know, obviously still see him going out there as much as he has been, um, despite some of the, the the results, both good in the offensive zone and yeah. ugly um, elsewhere. And listen, I mean, I brought this up months ago. We talked about it, you know, as options for the teams going forward. And yeah, I do think that, you know, the Jets could probably... Um, significantly change the culture in their room, the core, the way things look up front, um, you know, if they did make a move of Mark Shifley But to be honest with you, Scott, I mean, I left the game and was talking with some people after the game on, uh, on Saturday night. Um, like that's sort of always been my perspective is what's best for the Winnipeg Jets. I'm not sure there's many players in the NHL that could probably use a change of scenery in a different situation right now than Mark himself, considering the trajectory of his career over the last little while.
0: Yeah. And I agree. I mean, I, you know, I think weird that we're sitting here talking about this, right? Cause this was your franchise number one center. This was the guy that was supposed to lead you to a Stanley cup. Um, and you know, if you even go back four years to the 2017, 18 playoff run, I know we re-referenced that so much, but that's the high point of the 11 years this team has been here. Right? So you know and
1: he was driving the bus and he had that's fourteen exactly, goals exactly. in seventeen games. I mean he exactly. was the guy, along with some other very yep. talented players on the team. But I mean there was no doubt about it at that point he was the one that was taking a lot on his shoulders, yes. stepping up and
0: making things happen. Exactly. And and so that's where where did that go wrong, right? And that's I, I somebody in the organization knows, Mark obviously knows, but where has that gone wrong? What what happened? Um, I don't know if you can mend that fence. Um, I, I don't know. If, you know, this is a thing, like, you don't often see these fences mended uh, when it comes to NHL players because they just, you know, they'd rather move on to a new spot. Problem is, I mean, you're going to lose a point-per-game player. Um, and what are you going to get in return? Are you getting that in return? I mean, it's a very difficult deal to make. And the other problem is, too, um, what is Mark Scheife's trade value right now? I mean, I, I'm unsure if it's that high. I mean, obviously, there's a baseline, for the type of player that he is, don't get me wrong. But here's a guy that I mean, across the league, I mean, I can't imagine there's people in the, in in the NHL right now that haven't seen what Mark Shifley has been doing here in Winnipeg, the criticism, um, the lack of defensive play, you know, all that. So even the lack of just engagement overall, and be like, oh, okay. And but there are, there's going to be you know, GMs out there that are like, hey, I can fix that, or, you know. We have the the spot for him. We're going to let him do what he wants to do. That sort of thing, I'm sure. Um, but you know, the trade value has to be there too, and that's the other problem. Um, you know, do, does it change? I mean, what what does it do for the room? That's a great question because you know it, I, I've seen Pierre Luc Dubois this season, and if we saw that same type of you know fury in his game as we in Mark Shifty's game as we do in Dubois's game, this team would be unbelievably good. I think right, and and that's that's where there seems to be a disconnect in my mind of there's certain players that really want to push. There's certain players that really want to go um, and and do a good job. I think Kyle Connor has been a part of that. I think uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois has. I even think Blake Wheeler has been at times too. I mean, I, I agree. I, I, I don't think that Blake Wheeler has had issues the same way that, that Mark Scheifele has. I think Blake Wheeler has dealt with some issues this season that hampered him, um, but he still tries out there and he can still be a very effective player um, at, at times, even though, you know, father time is catching up to him or has caught up to him. But Mark seems to be on his own island and that's part of the issue, right? Because, you know, who is telling Mark Shifley? Who is keeping him accountable? And and, and have they tried? I mean, I am assuming Dave Lowry has tried, but what 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 other than sitting the guy... Is really going to be trying, right? Paul Maurice sat Mark Scheifele in Toronto. We'll remember that game, right? At hockey night in Canada. I believe it was a Saturday night. Um, you know, in front of his family, and he sat him right? like that. That was the message sent on that night. Um, but Dave Lowry hasn't done that, and you know, we we've asked Dave Lowry about it before. You know, I asked him a couple of days ago about Mark Scheifele and that back check on that shorthanded goal against um, from the Kings, and you know, he didn't really talk about it. And, you know, I get it. Like coaches aren't, you know, for Dave Lowry, it's about self-preservation. You don't want to be the guy that's sewering your own players and all that sort of thing. But yeah, it, it's interesting. And, and I think Mark is going to likely be the guy that they probably have to change in this organization, you know, new coach, whatever, all that stuff. Um, but it seems that right now that it's been quite an issue with, with Mark and, you know, and if it's bringing some other guys down, or if it's it's causing division or strife in the room that you know we don't see right now because we're not in the room, and even then you don't always see it. I, I don't know, but it, it is a problem, and 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 everybody sees it, and, and that's where we're at right now with Mark Shifley. Yeah, it's no un- doubt. It's unfortunate, right? I mean, oh. it's unfortunate because this is the guy. I mean, this was the franchise. This was the face of your franchise when they came back, right? They were I mean, taking
1: RFAs on the statue that uh, Maurice was going to build for him outside yeah. the, the, the rink. Remember yeah. how things I, have changed?
0: I know. And but that I mean, we said this about Patrick Lyonet too, right? I mean, sometimes it just, this is the game, right? This is the business. And sometimes it just doesn't go well. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it's a very tough decision, I think, for Kevin off to deal with whatever he's going to do with Mark Chevy because this is the first draft pick that he had. This is basically their draft and develop. Kind of, I mean, you can look at Josh Morrissey and some other guys, but if if you're looking at draft and develop, and they sent Mark Shifley back a couple of years, and they they made him, you know, they they developed him in the, uh, in junior, and then he came up and all that stuff. I mean, this is your guy. This is the poster child of this franchise and and your whole thing. But what's the other question here? Is Kevin Shoveldale going to be back next season? I mean, I, I you know I think that's something that needs. To be talked about too because he's 11 years and going would be going into his 12th year of his reign here. And what do you have to show for it? I mean, really nothing, right? You've got some good players, don't get me wrong. Um, and, and you've built you know a, a decent stable of prospects, it's being rebuilt. He's made some trades, got back well, maybe back into the first round this year as well. But at the same time, I mean, you know, this is a business about winning, and I understand there's loyalty and all those types of things, but at the end of the day. Um, At what point do you have to cut loose on a lot of, you know, what's going on right now and try and steer this franchise in a different direction because they haven't gotten back to the two glory years, if you want to call them 2017, 2018, and then the next year, at least the first half of it, um, that, that's nowhere to be found right now. And uh, I don't know where they're going to get back to that place with what they have right now with the coaches possibly even with the GM, how are they going to get back to that? How do they turn themselves back into a contender when they're on the front page of the hockey news and, and all that stuff? Like where, where, when is that coming? And it just hasn't it's not there right now.
1: Yeah. And uh, it seems like we're farther away than we've been for a, right? <laughs> for a while around here from that. Scott, great stuff as always. Uh, what do you got coming up in the sun this week?
0: Well, I'm off today, uh, but yeah, we'll be back uh, at it tomorrow. And um Yeah, we'll see how it goes. I mean, that's the thing, right? I mean, the Jets win in Detroit. I mean, I guess, you know, and who knows what happens. That's the thing, right? This this whole thing could be interesting again because we've seen it. The Jets have gotten close and dropped back and gotten close and that. So, you know, that's kind of what we're looking at here. But part of it is, too, turning into the, you know, let's start writing the eulogy, right, too. Yeah, the egg timer
1: timer of the season doesn't have a lot of uh, of salt up at the top of it. Hey, thanks so much for doing this. Let's catch up again soon.
0: Yeah, anytime, I Appreciate right it. Thank there
1: you. It is. Scott Billick of the Winnipeg Sun. We'll continue the convo on the Winnipeg Jets with our good friend Mike McIntyre in just a second. Hey, a big shout-out to our friends over at Culligan Water, Winnipeg's leaders in water and water services for over 65 years, family-owned and business right here in Winnipeg, serving Winnipeg and southern Manitoba. They have it all, water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, and citywide water delivery services for both the home and the cottage coming up this summer. And if your business has water needs, they'll take care of you at Culligan as well. Full commercial and industrial water products and solutions available. Whatever your water needs are, call our friends at Culligan 694 5180. You can visit them over at 1200 Sargent or check them out online at drinkculligan.com. And yes, spring is finally here. Donnie and the gang at Manitoba Battery are uh, slowing down with the automotive battery run that was uh, so prevalent throughout our brutal winter. And now it's time to get ready for spring. Whether it's spring cleaning or summer fun, Manitoba Battery has got you covered on the battery front for whatever you need. Whether whether it's the drill, the uh, the tractor, for the farming friends out there. Whether it's the uh, the batteries you need to help to get you the job done for the lawnmower this year, Manitoba batteries got it. And then once we get to summer, whether it's a hot rod, a garf- golf cart, a boat, whatever the uh, summer needs for you, Donnie and the gang have you covered as well. Uh, they will deliver anywhere in the city with same day delivery when you order by 130 at a much lower price than what you'd f- have to pay at one of the big box stores. Manitoba Battery, home of the best prices in Winnipeg, 1026 Logan Avenue, and online at manitobabattery.com. And yet, popped into Royal Sports on the weekend. Man, it's exciting with the change of seasons. Soccer players, baseball players, softball players flocking there to get their new equipment. And many people counting down the days until we uh, see all that Canada soccer gear coming in, which will be arriving by the truckload very, very soon. Of course, they've got a great bike selection as well for all members of the family. And they still do need some mechanics and people to work on bikes. If you have someone looking for a job that loves bikes, send them over to Royal Sports as well. 750 Pemina Highway. And you can hit them up on Instagram at Royal Sports Pemina for more information on both jobs and the latest merchandise drops and uh, deals. All right, let's get to it. And this is, spe- this is a special guest star appearance right now because we have Mike McIntyre. And I do believe with the newest member of the McIntyre family, is is that Piper Mike?
3: Actually, Huss, this is Bodie. This is the uh Piper's in her crate right now, just a few feet away from me because uh, we just had World War III going on here between Piper and Bodie in the living room. Uh, a little WrestleMania day three action uh between the two of them. So Bodie is quite tuckered out. Uh, he's seven and piper has got the energy of the uh, of the one-year-old she's one so she's a pup and uh yeah they had a good tussle and now they're kind of in their respective corners and Bodie's going to uh, join me here to talk a little uh, little jets today
1: perfect hey you know what let's start on a positive you mentioned wrestlemania did you catch it at all how did you enjoy it
3: i i watched all of it uh both nights and i don't know what my expectations were going in um but whenever they were, it, it it blew them away. It actually was, it was really good. Um, like there there were a lot of really nice moments. And for those of us, you know, I'm 47, so I don't watch wrestling the way I used to. And I like some of the new stuff, but I also like, of course, some nostalgia. I just thought there was a great mix, right? I mean, The Undertaker, you know, his entrance was pretty dynamic both nights, the Hall of Fame, coming out and of course stone cold and uh, we were in for a treat in night one and then we kind of get an even better I thought that night two with him kind of although that was the worst stunner in the history of stunners that Vince McMahon took last night but you know that almost made it more enjoyable just because of how comical it was uh and my goodness I, I didn't know what to think of the Sami Zayn um you know match but the the, the that that blew me away like so, I was laughing out loud at some of the sort of prop comedy that was going on. When the giant hand came out <laughs> and and obliterated Sami Zayn, Like, and then the huge mouse trap at the end, uh, that was well well thought out. I, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. It was, uh, it was a good two nights. People,
1: people that are not averse with the fine art of sports entertainment are wondering what the heck we're talking right. about. I'm sure you can check it out on social media. For me, and I'm gonna talk about this Remus at the end of the program, the star of the show is pat mcafee i mean oh my god Ma- mcafee being able to do that the, the way that he did showing off the uh, the athletics, then this is a guy that has you know single-handedly created his own brand an incredible show um and is doing so many neat things and you could tell he was loving
3: each and every minute of it but yes it so, was yeah when he did that almost from a standing position when he leaped leapt to the top rope i mean like in what that was that's something that there's a lot of guys that have been doing this their whole life that probably can't do that uh and you know i actually thought all of the celebrity involvement like even jake paul was really good logan paul logan paul Paul, his brother logan paul and and i mean just the ultimate bad guy when he was you know, channeling the late great Eddie Guerrero with <laughs> That's awesome. the three amigos and the shimmy on the top rope—like that was tremendous. Uh, and Johnny Knoxville was, you know, good for and all the all his you know wee man and all his cast of characters from Jackass. Like they they actually did a really good job of incorporating you know mainstream celebrities and but not not doing anything that would su- suggest you know totally unrealistic. Like those guys actually lived up to the billing.
1: Well, they certainly did. Well, that was a highlight of the weekend. The game Saturday night at Canada life center, not so much. And, um, you know, as we mentioned it before, Mike, I mean, this is nothing new. Um, you know, a, a, a poor start when you, when it, it's head scratchingly poor, yeah. when you consider the predicament that this team was going in and maybe they'd spend enough time looking at the playoff odds and realize that just how long the odds were, but that didn't look like a desperate hockey team. And, Listen, I thought they got better as the game went through. It went 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 along. Um but again, Dave Lowry said it afterwards. I mean, it's just not good enough for where this team is right now and uh, in some ways it sort of encapsulate encapsulates a lot of what we've been seeing over the last month or two.
3: Yeah, it sure does. And you know, I, look, I get that they were without you know their leading scorer for a third straight game, Kyle Connor, uh you know, Nate Schmidt obviously on the back end and it, it looked uh it looked like they were I don't want to say feeling sorry for themselves, but you know, there was almost a a sense of being resigned to their fate and that loss against LA, like, you know, okay. The Toronto loss was a bit disheartening just because they get off to the good start and then they blow it. Um, But I think you could, you could almost brush that one aside if they could have followed that up with a really strong start and a really good game. And obviously two important points against LA and to kind of not come out with a strong start and to ultimately not get the two points to me, that it's not the final nail in the coffin, but it was a significant nail in the coffin uh, because you know they had very little room for error to begin with. Now they really have almost none. I guess they got a break last night with the Kraken beating the Stars, but um, you know they got to almost run the table here. And yeah, they get Connor and Schmidt back; that that should give them a boost. But they got a, a tough schedule here with you know not wednesday against detroit but colorado and then some of the games coming up um to run the table is is almost unthinkable so yeah it, it it continues to befuddle that this team is doing a lot of the same things um over and over again and despite kind of all the talk and they seem to be well aware of their issues they just seem to be powerless to kind of really do anything about them
1: well mike uh i mean listen i mean we we talk about this every day on this program And, you know, as much as like I said to Billick, you know, when it was 10 or 11 percent, I mean, I'm a positive guy. I'm here for holding out the possibility that teams can, you know, can make it happen. But we knew what needed to happen. I mean, a significant run, you know, right through. And you mentioned, you know, they won those three games. You you, love to hold on to that lead you generated in Toronto. You had to get that one on Saturday and you had to play like you wanted it. I mean, that needed to be. I mean, the one thing that was so disappointing sitting up there. I mean, I'm right in the corner behind the opposition goaltender in the first period. Well, let's just say we were looking at the far end of the ice most of the time yeah. in the first period of the game because the Kings had the puck. They were the ones that were generating the shots and there was just no sense of urgency. But I'll say this. I mean, I'm at a point where sort of at peace with the season, this team's not making the playoffs. There's a dozen games left. Now I know the coaches and the players will say, hey, you know, we're going to keep going hard until we're mathematically eliminated. They're pretty damn close right now. Right. From Dave Lowry's perspective, I mean, what is he, what should he be doing? How does he handle these final 12 games? Because it's a unique situation. He's an interim head coach that I think had a pretty good opportunity. He could turn things around, get this team to the playoffs, show some significant improvement that maybe he'd be the guy going forward. I mean, no disrespect to Dave, but we haven't seen any of that. I don't know how they would possibly sell that to the organization. So in some ways, even without having the official title, he's some ways a dead man walking. And I'd yeah. have to say from an organizational perspective, you'd like to use these final 12 games as much as possible to garner some positive momentum, whether that's playing the young guys, whether that is doing somewhat something what Daryl Dar- Dar- Sutter did last year, I think was trying to establish where they're going forward. Well, that's great if you know you're going to be there next year, but that's not the case right now. So, like, from your perspective, both from a coaching standpoint and the team overall, I mean, what's at stake in these final 12 games, if anything, and what could happen that would help them the most going into the offseason?
3: Well, you're right on that point in that, you know, what may be best for the organization in the big picture and in the long term is probably very much at odds with what's best for dave lowry personally in the short term like you know he, he's he's coaching at this point not for what might be next year or to evaluate like he wants to win as many of these 12 games obviously uh, as possible and and if for no other reason then uh, to show if it's not the jets another organization that he's maybe worthy of of, a, of an opportunity um And so that does sort of conflict with the big picture that, you know, I'm sure the Jets are going to enter into very quickly here, or they would like to, and get a sense maybe of some of these young kids. Like we've talked in the past, does Mikel Burden maybe come up and get a game or two down the stretch here if the games, you know, don't matter in the sense that that they're not, you know, they're not competing for a playoff spot. Uh, I'd like to think guys like David Gustafson would get another look here before the season's over. They can all go back to the moose and, and you know, it looks like the moose are equipped to go on a good run here. Um, so certainly there, there are issues that are going to have to be addressed. And it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall of, you know, a number of people right now. Mark Chipman, Kevin day Dayoff, and of course, Dave Lowry and his staff. Um, oh. I suspect there's a lot of behind the scenes talks going on about, you know, to make sure that everybody's on the same page but it does create a really bizarre dynamic in a way. And, and you're right. I'm a sense of kind of a lame duck, you know, situation for Dave Lowry. Uh, and I wrote a column late last week that ran in Saturday's paper that, as you point out, I mean, there hasn't been a, a change at all. In fact, it's, it's a statistical dead heat. Prior to the game against the Kings, Maurice was averaging 1.1 points per game and Lowry was averaging 1.1 points per game. It's the exact same team if you look at results under Lowry as it had been under Maurice. Now, I If think- you
1: dig a little deeper though, I mean, the numbers aren't really no. flattering to, to, to the Dave Lowry unit as opposed to Maurice at all. And maybe that has to do with the best 15 games of the season, which was the 9-3-3 three, and three start right. at the beginning of the year, are all, um, you know, under Maurice. But, I mean, you want to talk about anything analytically and what they've been generating, what they've yeah. been giving up, it has not improved since the coaching change.
3: No, it hasn't. And you know, I put me in the camp. And I know Craig Button there's a lot of debate around his comment that he kind of really laid all of it at the foot of the coaches. And you and I, I think last week on this program, I sort of broached it and I expanded on my thoughts a bit more in that column with the House Cats headline that made <laughs> me chuckle a bit. Um but you know, I, I think the players I I think it's too easy just to blame this all on coaching and it lets certain players off the hook. And I know you and Scott just talked about one of those players and I singled him out in my column. That, that would be Mark Shifley. Like, you know, I don't know if Scotty Bowman in his prime could necessarily get much more out of this group when they continue to almost show in ways that they're not very coachable or they, they keep making mental errors or repeating the same mistakes that Short of Dave Lowry himself going out on the ice and correcting them, these are things that established pros and guys that have been around should not be doing. And and I think that, you know, could another coach, you know, that's not Maurice or Lowry come in? Maybe. And I know everybody looks to the Calgary example, and it is a good one for sure, that the Flames basically kept the same roster and a full season now under Daryl Sutter. And we've seen him do some pretty bold things, right? He healthy scratched Sean Monahan. Now, Sean Monahan is not Mark Shifley, but that was a decision that probably sent one hell of a message through the Flames locker room. And, you know, so maybe, maybe that kind of coach uh, could fly here in Winnipeg or is what they need. Don't forget, though, Dave Lowry is a bit of a disciple of Daryl Sutter. I actually, I think Dave Lowry has some Daryl Sutter tendencies. I mean, for all the people saying the Jets need a Daryl Sutter type coach, they may kind of have one here right now in Dave Lowry, you know, maybe Daryl Sutter light. But I also think if you're Dave Lowry, again, this was a tough position to inherit. You still had all the other staff around you. You don't have any of your own people. And, you know, just the circumstances of how he took over, like it wasn't like the guy got fired, he resigned. And I I just wonder if Dave Lowry's really had a fighting chance here. And if, in a way, some of these Jets players almost look at Lowry like we as kids would have looked at the substitute teacher, you know, in, in school, right? And not pay them much attention. Think back to your days when the substitute was there, you know, it was, it was a circus, right? All hell broke. Yeah. And I just wonder if he doesn't have the respect that he deserves, not because of who he is, but because of how he inherited this, this job. And again, some of the unfortunate tendencies um, that some of these players have developed.
1: Well, and, and, you know, and I'm not, and I think it's part and parcel of a couple of things. And we've talked about, you know, potentially moving a player. Mark Scheifele is always the guy that comes up first, you know, from that core. I mean, both for a number of reasons, both for, I think, the marketability of what he would bring to another team, his contract, how much time he has left on that contract, what the team would need to do to re-up to keep him here long term. I mean, all of that. Um, and then obviously a coach coming in with a different message. But I think it, it, it those two things to me are part and parcel, Mike, because, you know, at times we have seen this team almost naturally have a turnover of leadership. Um, you know, I know like the guys with the letters on their jerseys are the same. Yes. But we've seen... Pierre-Luc Dubois, we've seen Kyle Connors, we've certainly, Kyle Connor, we've certainly seen Nikolai Ehlers sure. when he's been here and speaking. Like, you want to talk about accountability? I mean, he's been a one guy that has almost taken more on than many of us thought has been deserved. And it's so it's in such stark contrast to some of the other key players that, frankly, you want to see that from. And, I mean, to be honest, I think it's sort of a combination of both, but I brought this up before, and while we're talking about Mark Shifley, um, you know, as much as I think that, you know, the Winnipeg Jets is organization, you know, it'll be, it'll be one of the biggest moves they ever make. And if they do, they've got to get it right and get someone to come back and, you know, fulfill his role, maybe not as much offensively, but, you know, you know, you have a better plus minus, if you will, not to use right. that stat, but you yeah. know, in, in that mix, but also allow for the Dubois and Connors and Ealers to really be the leaders of this team yeah. and to lead the way going forward. And, uh, I guess the other part of that is when you look at Mark Shifley and what this season that he's had, I'm not sure that there's many guys in the league that could use a change of scenery more than Mark Shifley.
3: Yeah, you, you know, the term addition by subtraction comes to mind in, in a way. Um, in, and for some of the reasons that you just brought up, right? Like the the potential of what else it does, what else it maybe does to the roster, in terms of the pieces that you would get back the piece or pieces that you get back and then what else it might do to the the existing roster that's there that are either you know being held back or there there's this glass ceiling or whatever in place and whether that's the leadership role or you know ice time things like that um you know I think we've seen it generically as you say start to happen this year where it would have been unfathomable at the beginning of the year huss if you had told me that Every time the Jets start overtime, Mark Scheifele wouldn't be part of the three guys on the ice to start overtime. But we're seeing that now lately Uh, the games last week that went to overtime, Mark Scheifele was not out there to start Pierre-Luc Dubois was uh, and Kyle Connor. And, you know, I think it's, there's, there's been a bit of a changing of the guard, but it's, it's been subtle. And, you know, I just wonder if, if, steps happen in this offseason to make it, I guess, more of an official changing of the guard. And, I, and that's where it it really feels like this team is at a bit of a crossroads right now. Um, you know, they're at a crossroads when it comes to their immediate future. And are they a playoff team or not? And I think we're starting to now see the direction they're going there. Uh, and, and the likelihood is, no, they're not a playoff team. But then the bigger crossroads is the one that pertains to you know, next season and the, the seasons after that. And that's where those decisions are going to have to be made. And, you know, as we said at the trade deadline, um, Kevin Chevaldev kind of tried to, like like he was all over the road, right? He was kind of thinking of the future, but also thinking of the present. And he cr- kind of tried to serve all the masters at once. Um, I suspect when we go into the summer here that he's going to have to pick a more definitive lane. And I personally do not think that Lane is going to be a, a complete rebuild. Uh, that's not realistic. Uh, I don't think the Jets can afford to do a full rebuild. They they need to, you know, move tickets and merchandise in the city, and they need to uh, they need to be competitive. Um, and so I think we're getting into a retool, and it's just a question of I guess how many how many tools in the old toolbox does uh, does Kevin Chevaldeoff pull out.
1: Well, and, and to me, Mike, and I'll, I'll ask this to you, I mean, I think we saw, it was interesting seeing Nikolai Ehlers get some time in Kyle Connor's absence on that top power play unit and how different it looked. I mean, his ability to shoot the puck. Uh, and the uh, my other takeaway was, and this is in the big picture, of okay, what happens with your top six? Is Shifley going to be here next year or not? Who the coach is coming in? All of that, to me, I think, what like right at the top of the list, maybe in addition to, you know, your what are you doing with the blue line? Where are the spots for the young guys? What does that allow you to do up front is to find a spot for Nikolai Ehlers to play him as much as he is warranted and get the most out of him. And, you know, part of me thinks that it's going to be with Dubois and Connor, and that is your clear cut top line. But I'll tell you what, wheelers look so good playing with those guys. And I think the best case scenario is to have, Two loaded lines of which Nikolai Ehlers is a real leader in one and has played like the top line. Um, and, and, you know, it's weird. I mean, even at this point in his career, I mean, we can't really say, I think, at one point this was where it really clicked with Nikolai Ehlers. Um, and to me, right. that that might be the number one job. And it's a combination of the coach and general manager based on personnel and how they're used to get that most. But I don't think this team takes that next step until they get the most out of Nikolai Ehlers that we're seeing the tantalizing potential of most times that he's out on the ice.
3: Yeah, I go back to the bubble in Edmonton there in that playoff series against Calgary, Huss. and of course, not a lot went well for the Jets. You know, Mark Scheifele got hurt right off the, the hop there uh, by Matthew Kachuk and uh, Patrick Line ended up getting banged up there. But to me, that was a bit of a coming out party for Nikolai Ehlers in that, brief series um, because he kind of had the reputation of disappearing right when the game when the stage got big and I thought he carried that over into a real nice season last year albeit it's hard to judge last season by any real metrics because you know they only played six different opponents and all the factors that we've discussed Uh, but you're right I think in some ways Um, Nikolai Ehlers you know I've said it before and I'll say it again to me there's four forwards that you build this team absolutely 100% around Nikolai Ehlers is one Kyle Connor is one Pierre-Luc Dubois is one and a guy that's been injured right now uh, for a bit here but that's Cole Perfetti to me Dubois, Perfetti, Connor, Ehlers that is your future core four uh, when it comes to forwards and when you're evaluating what you want this team to look like, how you want it to play, who's playing with who, to me, if I'm Kevin Cheveldayoff and Larry Simmons and Mark Chipman and all those guys, I, I've got those four names on a board somewhere. And my whole plan is, how do I build around these four guys? What do we need you know, to get the combinations right and the right mix and the right chemistry? And, and I think most teams probably every NHL team would take those four guys in a heartbeat as, as a real solid kind of foundation for the future.
1: Yeah, no doubt about that. As far as these final 12 games uh, go, and, and maybe you can speak to practice today because I know we saw, um, you know, Hainala and Stanley both working in with the yeah. group. Um, I thought Villio had a real strong game on Saturday. Um, you know, he uh, impacted on the power play. I know it wasn't technically a power play goal, but, um, but I mean, considering where the situation is in, I mean, I've got a lot of time for both of those guys to be playing, to be perfectly honest with you, and maybe even a guy or two from the Moose for a game or two, like a Kovacevic or a Sandberg that we've seen before. Um, how do you how do you see that playing out, and do did you garner anything from today's practice as to how things might look on Wednesday?
3: Yeah, Billy took the initial rushes with Nate Schmidt on that third pairing, and then Logan Stanley subbed in. I mean, if I just had to guess based on how Dave Lowry ran his lines today, it would seem to me that Villy is probably a notch ahead. And, you know, Dave Lowry told us, what, a week ago that Logan Stanley was a bit banged up and battling something. Uh, and whether that's really the case or not, I think everybody's banged up to a degree at this time of year. Yeah, he
1: wasn't banged up enough not to work for 45 minutes after exactly. practice with the assistant coaches. So take or that for the, what it's worth.
3: Or to the point when Nate Schmidt got COVID that they had to call someone up from the moose you know, they were comfortable putting Logan Stanley in. And uh, you know, I think that was more of a cover than anything. Yeah. Was, again, he probably does have some, some minor aches and pains right now. But, uh, you know, Dave Lowry, I asked him about, has Vili done enough to stay in the lineup? And his answer today, you know, kind of alluded to, well, we'll look at who our opponent is. And I do wonder if that's how he he works this down the stretch. If, you know, if they're playing a bigger, heavier opponent, maybe Logan Stanley gets in. Um, if they're playing a more finesse skilled team, maybe it's Vili Um, You know, if he thinks there's going to be a lot of special team, you know, maybe a lot of penalty killing, then it's Stanley. So I, I could see more of a platoon here down the stretch. Uh, and you're right. I mean, the Jets, I think they'd be wise to, to get a look at some other guys. The problem is they only have those four recalls under non-emergency conditions, and they've now used one of them in Morgan Barron. So it's not like they can just kind of have the... Uh, the shuttle going back and forth here for these last 12 games, but um, they have to use them judiciously. That being said, I think we will see some experimenting down the stretch, but again, it goes back to Dave Lowry and he probably is going to, you know, coach his tail off right to the bitter end, even if his team is, is long eliminated uh, because in a way he's got to look out for himself. Right. And and who would blame him Um, you know I'm sure he'll do what he's asked and and be a good team player and company guy but at the same time he's got to think about his future and it does create an interesting dynamic
1: well speaking of futures I don't think there's uh playoffs in the future but I know there's a few people with the Jets over 92 and a half point prop for the season that would love to see the team find a way to go eight three and one in the final 12 games and get to that magic 93 point number even though it might not be enough to uh, make it into the playoffs. Uh, Mike, before we go, I did want to ask you about something non-jet related. What did you think about the uh, Arizona Ducks brouhaha that um, involved Troy Terry getting his face caved in by, a J- by one goal scorer, Jay Beagle? Right. And Tyson Nash uh, alluding to the fact that uh, if you want to skill it up, you better be prepared to get punched in the face.
3: So I almost look at this as two separate issues and and I asked Kyle Connor today and Nate Schmidt actually about it and they gave interesting answers as well but and I think they see it as two things. I don't think Jay Beagle's actions were necessarily what Tyson Nash thought they were. Like I don't think Jay Beagle was out there to punch someone in the face for skilling it up too much. I think he saw, you know, he thought there was a poke at his goalie and He's pissed off. They're getting, you know, it's five, nothing like the, the Trevor Zegers goal, the skilling it up, that was way earlier in the game, right? Like that, it's all like that just happened. And he felt at five, nothing that Zegers is just showing off at that point. So I don't feel that Jay Beagle was reacting the way Tyson Nash almost implied. He was as if to say, well, he's out there to break faces because guys are, are too skilled. So Look, I I mean, it was stupid what Beagle did, but I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say it was, you know, a bit of an old school, stupid hockey play. As for Tyson Nash's comments, so to me, I I mean, those were just so tone deaf and unfortunately speak to that hockey culture, that toxic culture that we often hear about and that a lot of people like to tell us doesn't exist anymore or has gone the way of the dodo bird. The reality is there are still a lot of people that think like Tyson Nash and the idea that you should have to, you know, risk injury in getting your face caved in because you you score a really pretty goal or, you know, I saw Tyson Nash kind of doubled down on it and he said, well, maybe I worded it wrong. Um, he, he said, maybe not skill it up. I should have said, show them up or something. And then he's something about he didn't like that they were smiling after a goal. Like, I guess he, it's just like grow up. Um, I mean, if you don't like what the other team's doing to you, play better, be better. Uh, and unfortunately, that kind of caveman mentality, I think, still permeates in, in sport and more in hockey kind of more than anything. And uh, the sooner that that kind of attitude goes away, the better, in my opinion.
1: Cheers to you, Mike. Thanks for doing this uh, Well, month left in the season, many more interesting conversations, and then things (laughs) will really get interesting once we get into the off season. Uh, Have a great one. And I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Take care. Great. uh, Great stuff with Mike McIntyre. Uh, We'll continue talking jets all week. Of course, game coming up on Wednesday night against the Detroit Red Wings, but it is Masters week. And uh, cannot wait for our next guest to come in and get ready for the big tournament at Augusta. Uh, just before we do that, quick Princess Auto Curling report, more news and more breakups on the weekend Jason Gunlickson's team going their separate ways. And Chelsea Carey, Winnipeg native, was curling out of Regina. She's going her separate ways with her clubs as well. Of course, Mike McEwen's team also disbanding. We'll uh, have more on where all these top players are going coming up. Of course, Princess Auto Players Cup coming up, though. All these teams still playing in the uh, big championship at the end of the tour. Princess Auto Proud sponsor of the tour and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to keep, need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations, or you can shop online 247 365 at princessauto.com. Uh big night tonight for those of you folks that love WrestleMania. You got the big raw tonight. And of course, it is the championship game in the final four great spot to go watch the game of course is your local boston pizza but if you're staying home check out their game day deals and everything you can get delivered online at bostonpizza.com and pop into the city place bp before and after the game coming up on wednesday night and of course a big shout out to our friends at the nick and Nikki dq group loving those new stack burgers at nick and nicky's Four locations, DQ Niverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's. Hit them up on uh, DQ Manitoba on Instagram if you want to custom order a cake to get ready for the weekend. And uh, if you don't want to go out, good news for you folks in Winnipeg, Polo Park, St. Anne's, and Northgate, all available on all the delivery apps. You can get your DQ from Nick and Nikki delivered without getting out of the house. All right, let's get ready. We've talked a lot of hockey so far today. Let's get ready for the main event of this week. And that, of course, is Augusta. And who better to do it with than our guy from Sports Grid TV, Mr.
5: Dubsy himself? Dubs, what's up, man? It's great to have you back on the program ushler how are you brother i mean this is the pinnacle in all of sports march madness is okay You you like children throwing up bricks missing buckets but this is athletes at the pinnacle of their craft augusta national what a place for the theatrics we have shape up this week we already had one of the most loaded fields coming into a major now you're throwing the big cat the resurgence of tiger woods oh i'm licking my lips mate this is as good as it gets for me oh dude you know you just mentioned
1: Tiger. I honestly thought that when he had that car accident, I mean the only time we'd ever see him is maybe teen it up with Charlie in those uh, in those fun father son events that he was in right now, yeah, and I was very nervous. I mean, I knew uh, we saw the plane, what he's going to Augusta, what's going on here? You don't want to get your hopes up, but my hopes are officially up, I mean, at this point, dubs, with not hearing anything to the contrary. If he doesn't tee it up on Thursday, I'll be both surprised and very disappointed. What are you hearing about Big Cat?
5: Mate, he's playing. The only decision he needs to make is what shirt he's wearing Thursday. And the swing looks good. Uh, the speed's back there with the driver for me. And look, you know, we saw him at the PNC Father Son. We saw him pop up at the the uh the Genesis Riviera invitational. I think it was a matter of just seeing how the media are gonna respond to him. Are they gonna ask the hard hitting questions? I think the golf game is sneakily in a very good spot. I mean, this is a guy who doesn't know anything else but golf. He's wired differently. You don't think the last 12 months during rehab, he's out the back on one of his you know six golf holes working on the short game and that's where the confidence comes from so i think from what i'm seeing he's gonna peg it up and by god i think he's gonna be a shot here of making the weekend i don't think he can win it i think what we've seen from the last couple of years since tiger's been gone is a plethora of these young guys so talented not afraid to win on the biggest stage they've taken it to a new level you know guys like Canley, scotty Scheffler, john rams so for tiger he's gonna have to find his best stuff and then some but hey what a tournament. Course is looking fantastic. Tiger's out there on the practice field. I think he's meant to drop a press conference pretty shortly here, and I think we can get the big thumbs up.
1: Well, you know, I'll say in that, though, if he does get to the weekend and he's somehow in contention, there's something about Eldrick in a red shirt on Sunday afternoon at Augusta Chelsea. National that no one has had an answer for so far.
5: Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely filthy. The only thing I'm concerned about is if he gets the late tea time Thursday, early Friday start, that's going to be very taxing on him. And we haven't seen him play, you know, competitive reps till it was back here in 2020. So again, that's going to be a different beast, but with so much adrenaline, so much attention, I think he can feed off that, harness it in the right way. And for all these young guys, all these gunslingers who think they're all this and that in the world of golf, it ain't nothing like going up against it with Tiger Woods on a Sunday at Augusta National. I think he's still got that scare factor. Not what it used to be. But, geez, if he can find his way into the tournament, anything can happen. I think they've still got him listed at 55-1. to 1, But I've seen stranger things, that's for sure. He's got the golf IQ. He's got the course history. This week at the Masters, it counts for a lot more. That's what he's going to lean on. Hey, you know, we like to dabble and uh, throw a few sprinkles down. We'll get to the the
1: book in a minute, but I don't know what number we could have got last summer when Phil Mickelson was winning the PGA Championship, that we'd be here in April and Tiger would be in the field and Phil wouldn't be. I mean, what's up with Phil? I mean, why do you think he's not here right now? And I mean, obviously there's more to it with everything that came out of the uh, Saudi fiasco.
5: Yeah, and look, the thing with the PGA Tour is they're very secretive. They're very old school. I wouldn't be surprised if Mickelson's copped the suspension we're just never going to hear about. So I think that's why he's not in attendance. But, you know, I've heard some great stories about Mickelson at Augusta in the years prior. We turn it back to when he was a young fella. He showed up there for a practice round. He's like, okay, anyone looking for a money match here? Like, no, 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 Mr. Mickelson. We don't gamble here on the grounds of Augusta National. He kept it up. Anyway, found two members. I think they are playing off 12 and 13 handicaps. He went out there. They waxed him for about 100K. He comes in the clubhouse after. He's like, I'm not paying you. You guys are sandbags. Those handicaps aren't legit. He storms off. The chairman of the club comes after him. He's like, Mr. Mickelson, uh, just, just a quick reminder here. The Masters, it's still invitational only. He paid up. The following year, he returned, got the breakthrough win, and took home the green jacket. So for Mickelson, I think it's a question of has he been suspended, but with the live Saudi Golf League, all that fiasco. I mean, the timing, it's a little suspect. Tiger pledges his allegiance to the PGA Tour. He makes come comeback, and they've promised him full immunity. No one's going to ask the hard-hitting questions, but the big cat is back, and that's what we want to see. For poor Lefty, I mean, talk about shooting yourself in the foot. I just shake my head at Phil Mickelson. It's a bit of a sad affair right now.
1: No, it really is. I mean, he went. I mean, I'm not sure his marketability and popularity, which always were sky high, were ever higher than they were not even a year ago. And yet, um, yet here we are. But listen, we're gonna be talking a lot about Tiger. Probably won't be a lot of talk about Phil on the weekend. But it's not just about those old veterans. You mentioned how great the sport is right now. Let's take a look at the uh, at the odds board over at Coolbet. We'll go through all the odds later on, but. John Rahm right now looks to be the uh, odds on favorite at 12 to 1. And then you've got Justin Thomas at 14. And very interesting, your guy, Cam Smith, 17 to 1 after that big, big win earlier this season at the Players. And Scotty Scheffler, the new number one player on the world who has been better than everyone. What do you make about those guys at the top
5: of the odds board? And uh, who's the favorite in your mind, Dubs? Look, I'm interested to see how Scotty Scheffler performs as your new world number one. I think that's a lot of pressure. It's a golf course that suits him, but I don't think he has a big week. That's a lot of pressure to take on, especially into this one. Look, you need a heavy set of shoulders to lift that green jacket. And who has the broadest of them all? Big John Rahm, big Diesel, the Spanish Bull. I love his chances here. It's all about course history for me. His last four starts finished inside the top 10, but he's only got six wins to his name on the PGA Tour. So he has to start chalking a couple of W's up. But I think this is one for him. And then look, Justin Thomas all the game in the world if you're looking at the masters and you're looking for a key stat strokes gain on approach the good iron players always have the advantage here justin thomas he's got that in spades he's got the best hands in the business he's been playing a little angry of late he hasn't won since the players championship so we never see a player peaking until they peak but for me jt is trending in the right direction made for the biggest stage of remorse. i see him being a factor late on sunday for this one
1: it is funny seeing a guy like DJ with like a nineteen to one number hung out it's for him.
5: It, it, it is, and I mean, we're not used to that,
1: but it speaks to the competition of so much. But let me throw another another number out to you that stands out to me: Colin Morikawa, ah. twenty-two to one. I know you're hot on Morikawa, and listen, all he's done is win everywhere. Wins the Open Championship, you know, wins the PGA. I, he's done it all. He hasn't done the Masters yet. But it would seem like that is sort of the next progression. I mean, uh, listen on your thoughts on Morikawa, because he's a guy that I uh, I like and I think we're going to be talking about on Sunday.
5: Mate, I, I feel like running up Magnolia Lane and just yelling out, where is the respect? Where's the respect for my boy, the California kid, the smiling assassin. Do I need to remind these guys two from eight starts at the majors, 25 years of age, looking to go back to back. I haven't seen anyone since the young Tiger Woods so resilient late on a Sunday. This guy, when the going gets tough, he finds a couple extra gears and he does it with a smile on his face. I love his golf game. When we talk about iron play, yes, JT is one of the best in the world. Colin Morikawa, he is the best in the world. His putting's good on firm and fast screen, so I like him for this one. But again, this is a guy who licks his lips. The heart of the task, he is the man for the job. Some of these guys are going to get in the mix over the weekend, Hustler, and they're going to be shopping like a trolley from Trader Joe's. They're not going to know what to do with themselves. Not Colin Morikawa. He's got that laser focus, and that's what I'm all about.
1: Yeah, I uh, i mean, I will certainly have a piece of Morikawa when we tee off on Thursday. There's another group of players right in that mix. Uh, Brooks at 20, Rory at 22, which again is a big number. But I mean, it's been a while since Rory actually won a major. Oh, and then another started. one of the young stars of the game in Victor Hovland. I mean, uh, Brooks, Rory, Vic, who do you think has the best weekend? And uh, do you like any of those guys to really be in the mix for the jacket?
5: Look, I, I don't know about Brooks. He, uh, he's just sort of lacking that uh, that form coming into this one. For me, Victor Hovland, if it, if it plays soft and he can play target golf like it did last year for Hideki Matsuyama, I like his chances more, but I think the short game could be a bit spotty and you need that this week at Augusta. For Roy McIlroy, I'm a little disappointed. I mean, this guy had all the promise in the world, hasn't won a major since back in 2014. He's chasing the career grand slam, but I think he's uncomfortable being the main man. When, when he gets back to playing golf and not golf swing like we saw in the last day at the Ryder Cup he's fantastic but for me he's too much up top between the years if you put Jordan Speeth in Roy McIlroy's body that is the number one golfer in the world and that is a fact but I don't like him for this one uh Cantlay and Shoffley are at 25 to 1 both of them have
1: won big tournaments both of them when they are dialed in are right there with the best in the game uh, do you think either of those guys contend
5: i I go with Xander. You know, he was right here last year with Hideki Matsuyama. He was there in 2019 with Tiger Woods for Cantlay. Not a good record at the majors, but I mean, it's only a matter of time. He's got no weakness in his golf game, but I like Xander Shoffley. Another good guy, another smiling assassin. I think he could sneak up on the radar in a week that no one's talking about him. Uh, Dubs Anderson's with us getting ready for tee-off at Augusta
1: National, the Masters Tournament, including Tiger Woods, we expect. Going to be amazing. Further down the board, um, any uh, any bombs that you're uh, throwing on the card? Or guys that you think
5: have some good value that you know you should roster? Yeah, I, I like Sungjae Kim. Uh, he's played here twice before. He had a runner up there in 2020, 65 to one. You'll find him thereabouts. A great driver of the golf ball, who's addressed, he's short game. Uh, he's not afraid of anybody, but still a massive number there at 65 to one. And don't sleep on the Canadian trio, headlined by Mr. Corey Connors. I mean, for me, he is a similar prototype to Louis Oosthuizen, all about ball striking. He comes in here with great form. Uh, he, he's really found something on the PGA Tour. He made a run there you know, at Austin, the match play. His last two starts here, finished inside the top 10. I love Corey Connors' golf game for him. He has to putt well, but again, these greens are so fast. They'll be running you know, quicker than some of these big boys for the pimento cheese sandwiches. I think that helps his chances. So don't sleep on Corey Connors. Hey, um, I, 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 pretty much just being
1: a card-carrying member of Team Tony, I will always back Tony Finau. Um, it hasn't been a great season so far. What do you make of his game and how he is for his form coming into this event?
5: Look for Tony Finau, he goes in like eight event cycles. It's either really good contending every week or he's pathetic. And guess what? He found something this week at the Valero Texas Open. Tony Finau is back on a course he's got great course history with. He's a good driver of the golf ball. He's a gamer. You know, he got that breakthrough win at the end of the, at the end of last year there in New York. So I like his chances. And again, a guy, once he finds it, it's all confidence. Can he keep it running hot from last week? I think he can. When it's good, it's good. When it's bad, it's real bad. But I think I like what I'm seeing. I'll tell you what, I'm sniffing a 60 to one on Tony and a 70
1: on Don't your guy Sung JM. So uh, we're going to have to get on those. He does. Before we go, I do want to ask you, um, listen, I love the match play tournament, especially from a betting perspective. Maybe my favorite event of the year. You've got all the head to head matchups. Yeah. Really, really fun. But it is interesting to see. I mean, that's a big, big event. It's a WGC event. There's a lot of FedEx Cup points on the line, a lot of world ranking points. But where it comes in between the players and the Masters, we've seen players like Rory McIlroy and Cam Smith not even play in the event. I mean, you've been involved in the game for a long time. What are the challenges that it, that the schedule, I guess, poses to the players getting ready for Augusta with the, uh, the strange nature of the way the PGA Tour calendar is set up right now?
5: Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a Mickey Mouse format, so it's not for everyone, especially two weeks out from the majors for all the big guys. But it's a matter of the PGA Tour just taking on way too much. There's too many events on the schedule, so it's a matter of trying to fit them all in. So I don't blame Cammy Smith you know, coming off that win there at the Players' Championship, sitting that one out. I don't blame Roy McIlroy skipping that either. But, I mean, what a dud move. Going to Valero, Texas Open, couldn't even make the cut there. Again, not big on Roy McIlroy. But, look, this is as good as it gets. A bunch of young guys coming in here with a wealth of form and talent for me, this could be a major for the ages. I think what we saw last year doesn't get enough credit. Tiger Woods is sort of overshadowing that this week. But what Hideki Matsuyama did last year, groundbreaking for the Gulf Craze Nation of Japan, and I hope we see it again this week. If you're looking for a fade, I'm not big on the big bad Bryson DeChambeau. I don't know what's going on there. He's got the hand injury and neck injury. He's telling us about a long drive contest coming up, but he is all over the ballpark. And this is, of course, you need a bit of shot making. It's more about art. I think he needs to be on the flat bombing gauge of the PGA tour, but this is not a week for big, bad Bryson. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, uh, although I never would have thought in a
1: million years, we've seen a 45 hung next to his name either. So, uh, I mean,
5: <laughs> you know, but there,
1: yeah. there's, a re- there's a reason for that. And it's the way that he's played so far this year and the injuries that he's discussed. Last one for you, Dubs. There's something special about the Masters and Augusta. We always talk about guys that have played well there before, course history, and a former Green Jacket winners. Are there any former Masters champions that we haven't been talking about week to week on the PGA Tour that maybe we should start thinking about because of it's Augusta, it's the Masters, and these guys have done it before?
5: Yeah, I mean, Jordan Spieth looks to have found something yesterday. I don't like his golf game. You know, he's chasing distance. He's picked up nine yards, but he's now fallen outside the top 100 in strokes gained around the greens and punting. But, I mean, he is the ultimate gamer, ultimate competitor. Can he find the right stuff and get in the mix here? I mean, if it plays tough, I like a guy like Jordan Spieth. Great course history, a previous winner here. But don't sleep on Patrick Reed. It's been a bit of a mixed bag of results. But, again, if it plays tough, turns it into an arm wrestle, Paddy Reid is the man for the job. He can lean on that short game. He loves hitting the draw. It suits his ball shape. Keep an eye out for those two. Dubs. this has been so much fun having you
1: back in the program. Thanks so much for doing it. Where can uh, people find more of your content this week?
5: What do you have planned for Masters Week? Made a lot, a lot of content coming up. You can follow me on Twitter, Mr. Dubsy. Same uh, across all social media. But there's got to be, you know, a forewarning there. It's absolute nonsense mixed in with a bit of golf betting, a bit of PGA Tour coverage, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Yes, I let the truth get in the way sometimes of a very good story. But this is it for me. Masters Week. Oh, stop it! It's 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 getting me all wound up. Are you going to be jumping on with uh, our good pal, Mr.
1: Gabriel Morenci at some point this week?
5: Of course, with the Mayor Morenci. Wouldn't have it any other way. Talk a bit of shop. And look, this is going to be a great one in the live betting as well, playing out for four days. How good is sports right now? March Madness, the World Cup. Talk about Team Canada. Maybe I should change my passport. We the North, baby. Hey, we're coming. Come on. coming. GSP. It's all up
1: there. Dubs, you, you ride with us come November in Qatar. A lot of excitement about that. And in the meantime, I'm going to ride with you at Augusta with some of these picks this weekend. Thanks so much. Make sure to say hi to Gabe for us. I'm hoping, I think we're both going to be doing our shows out in Vegas later on this month at the same time. So uh, looking forward to uh, getting together. A good
5: time. Don't <laughs> tempt
1: me with a good time. Don't tempt me with a good time. Hey, there'll be a seat for you, my friend, if you make it out there. Thanks so much. Enjoy the Masters. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Oh, man. Dubsy's the best. Uh, yes. At Mr. Dubsy on Twitter, Insta, and the rest of the throws. And uh, obviously, if you just check our show tweet today, um, Dubs' Insta, Dub's Twitter handle in there. Make sure to give him a follow. What a, uh, what a great guy. Lots of fun. And uh, hey, of course, our golf reports all year long are brought to you by our friend's At Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. But we still got a few weeks away before the tarps are off and the course is open. But man, it's going to be a great season. We've seen the growth of golf, you know, uh, everywhere over the course of the past two years. But man, it's been an amazing run over at Breezy Bend with the beautiful course improvements. The improvements they've done to the clubhouse, the patio as well. Um, You know, they are pretty much full for the year. But if you're thinking about an incredible golf home for you and your family, give Corey Johnson a call. Talk to them about what is available, potentially getting on that waiting list. And um, certainly if you're looking at hosting an event, tournament, wedding, Breezy Bend as well, great place to be. You can hit them up online at breezybend.ca. Wow, our friends at Not Auto Corp, and I put this out. You know, it was interesting. They opened up the Winnipeg Car Lab. There at the not uh, not compound, um, great social media stuff coming out on um, you know what to look for, things that will affect quotes and pricing on that. And they're also about to do another one for that Tesla experience that we've been talking about. If you're thinking about going electric, uh, you'll have the opportunity to drive a Tesla, charge a Tesla, and learn everything about it that is different from traditional cars to electric vehicles. That program's going on right now. You can find out more at not.ca or follow them on Twitter at knotautocorp. Check out it all or pop down and see them at not at Waverly and McGillivray. And of course, regardless of what sort of vehicle you're looking for, why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the Not team? And uh, well, the weekend's over. May have to straighten it out for a few days, but nothing makes the weekend better than an ice cold little brown jug. I did manage to get a couple 1919s down the hatch on the weekend. And uh, wherever you are in the city, I mean, you can find 1919 at most fine bars and restaurants. Of course, the best place to get it, though, is down at the Tap Room on William Avenue at Little Brown Jug HQ. Pop down, meet some friends for a couple beers. Try all of the wonderful Little Brown Jug offerings. You can pick up to-go beers there as well, as including merchandise. But Little Brown Jug also delivers on Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. So uh, don't even need to leave the house. Head over to littlebrownjug.ca, get your order, and the Little Brown Jug folks will deliver it to you as well. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here. Uh, because we do have a few more things to get to. But I'll tell you what, Reem, I know, you know, talking about the Jets right now, a little disappointing with, you know, coming out of the weekend, where the team is. We talked a lot about will they be playing meaningful games at the trade deadline? Well, they were. Not too sure how meaningful these games are going to be going forward in April. But uh, that conversation with Dubs has me ready to go cranking out some lineups, making a few wagers, and getting ready for uh, the most special golf tournament every year, one that really transcends
2: the sport, and that is the Masters coming up on Thursday. Yeah, I agree. Um, it is a very wild week in sports, as you said. NCAA tournament final today. We had of our crack at ESPN. Connor, Bo- Connor Hellbuck bobblehead night Wednesday, the Masters. And MLB opening day is finally here as well. So this is that. I remember being in school this week. It was always like exams. You had to study for exams. Never got any studying done with the start of baseball and the Masters. I'm glad I don't have to do that anymore. It's definitely one of those times you need multiple TVs. Oh, hey, hockey card talk
1: in the uh, the chat. I've never played Breezy. Maybe one day. What up, hockey card talk? Love the name. We will do some hockey card talk at some point. Mm -hmm. I think Dusty was doing like a WWE break or something on was the he? weekend. Yeah, oh, he's listen, he's breaking everything. He went into Walmart when he was out in uh, visiting his parents in Cranbrook and the Walmart was stocked. And I think he dropped like 26 Hun on NFL boxes. He's he bought 47 boxes and he's doing one massive break uh, with all of those boxes. So, anyways, that's Dutton Nielsen at 126. At Nielsen 1260 TSN if you want to get in on some of those. And your Boy Bruce, what up, Bruce? Great, great line. Jets need some dubs. The guy's energy is infectious. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I always say this about the Aussies dream. I mean, I could hear a guy like dubs just commentate somebody crossing the street and I would be engaged in it because it's something about the, a- the accent, but certainly the energy mm-hmm. uh, that he brought to the show was a very, very fun conversation. It's made me
2: even more excited for the Masters, including Tiger Woods back at Augusta. I also like his, uh, but his brick background. So sorry, podcast listeners, you have to tune in to see. uh oh, be- beautiful, great stream. background. That guy's a pro, pro streamer. As far as Dusty goes, uh, I did see he posted a picture of a shopping cart full of boxes from a Walmart. Uh, That's it. That, I wonder if they, I thought that was illegal. I thought they had a limit on this stuff, but apparently, apparently not. Dusty's going hard at Walmart. He's going hard. So, yes, if you want to get in for the super NFL
1: break, you can uh, find out what Nielsen's got on for all you card people uh, out there. Hey, speaking of the uh, the final four, um, listen, I haven't watched very much of it. My picks suck. Most of my teams were out like on the first or second weekend. Um, but it was kind of neat to see Duke and NC go up against each other. They played almost 300 times, but had never met in the tournament. And in what ended up being, well, allegedly, Coach K's final game, the nemesis, North Carolina Tar Heels, eliminate Duke and end the Coach K reign down the
2: street in uh, in North Carolina. Yeah, I saw a lot of uh, tweets, uh, incredible career for him. And I guess fitting, you know, I always pick Duke to lose early. They're like the easy heel team. Yeah. It's like. So I, I picked against them, but again, my bracket is, is toasted. We do have some people us that are actually alive in uh in our in our pool. We haven't really That's done anything. That's incredible. Actually, yeah, can you um I'll pull I'm... it up here, right? So I was out basically like the first weekend. I had Auburn to win. But Richard B., he's got Kansas. So he's gonna oh, win wow. if Kansas wins. He's doing seems like he's doing pretty well. This Richard B. I don't know if he's in here or what. And we have a couple other People who are into uh, Kansas. Does, Does anyone a, have North Carolina? Uh, that would be any North Carolina. No, no. no. So, so I think I think this is Richards to to lose. Wow, no one picked North Carolina. Damn. How sure. close
1: is he to the first place team?
2: Oh yeah, he's twenty points away. This is what I've learned about all these um, about all these pools. All you need to do is pick the winner. The rest of it doesn't really matter. So as long as you pick the winner, you're good. Maybe you hope that a lot of other people don't. So. But in the
1: championship game, like if Kansas yeah. loses, yeah. Oh, if they lose Will he get zero points and then Oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he would probably lose. So who's in first right now? Joker? Slowbo. Slowbo. So Slobo, you are uh, the biggest North Carolina fan tonight, and uh, Richard yeah. has Kansas, and I think it's going to be one of those two guys that wins the tournament.
2: yeah, one of the, it's one of those two guys who wins our, our pool, so Richard B or Slobo want to reach out. You uh, can hook them up uh, with something. Uh, how, yeah, we'll definitely have a prize for whoever ends up winning it. now, Remus, just check yours. Uh, how many points do you have? Oh my a man mine like what's was, what's your total? Okay, so the winner. The person at first is eight pen. I have four forty. I'm in the twenty-seventh percentile. I'm even worse than you. I am oh, really? I have three fifty and I'm in the ninth percentile. That's really bad.
1: It's so bad. And I don't think I had a team active since the second weekend. Like I might have not even had any teams in
2: the eights. Yeah, I had Houston going kind of far, which kind of salvaged it. Uh, salvaged my bracket, that's for sure.
1: Well, wasn't, uh, that wasn't the, anyways, I didn't expect much. It's always fun doing the bracket, but when you have no clue, although I think a lot of people have no clue, and I think even the winners might have no clue either, but especially in a March Madness pool amongst Canadians that probably never, ever watch it. Although I will say this, the coverage this year on TSN, has always been awesome for the men's tournament. Um, there's been so many of the women's games on mm. as well. And that uh, South Carolina winning that women's game over uh, hometown hero Paige Becker's coming back to Minnesota playing for UConn. And UConn has been the powerhouse. Um, heck of a game. And listen, I'll give a shout out to Kate Burness and the ladies that have been doing uh, the coverage for that. I know there's been a lot of talk about, you know, giving equal representation and showing some of these women's sports. I haven't seen what the ratings or anything like that have been. But I'll tell you what, it is great to see those athletes be able to do it. And, uh, you know, what's better than one March Madness tournament? Two March Madness tournaments. So uh, it worked out well. They had the championship game last night for the women. And tonight it's the granddaddy between Kansas and
2: North Carolina, two perennial powerhouses. Yeah, I'll tune it. I actually have a uh, fantasy baseball draft tonight, so I'll try to have it on and uh, in the background while I'm doing my, my auction. I'm looking forward it, it, to that. It, the, this is an auction? Uh, is it yeah. uh week to week sort of thing or uh it's like it's it's way too hardcore. I made these rules like ten years ago before I was married and had a kid daily it's daily lineup changes, daily oh, transactions uh auction and I've read the least I'm usually up to date on fantasy baseball like who the players are and stuff I haven't done any this is the least I've ever done in. 20 in 20 years. So Who are Okay, we'll when see. you're
1: just grabbing your list that you're obviously yeah. going off of because you've done no preparation whatsoever, yeah. give me the top 5 or the top 10 guys based on expected auction values for okay. the 2022
2: Major League season. I'll give you the hitter. Let me see. I think Trey Turner is Oh, here's a, Okay, Juan Soto This is for hitters. Uh Juan Soto, Trey Turner, Jose Ramirez uh, Ronald Acuna and Bryce Harper, and then Vlad Guerrero's after that. Oh, there's there's pitchers here. Garrett Cole, I think pitchers are. I don't think pitchers are worth as much, so they might get bumped. But Cole, I guess Otani, depending what you what your league how your league does him. League rules, yep. Mm, I'm trying to think of the other pitchers. Degrom just got hurt, so that kind of throws a rent. Like he would be way up there if he was. Still playing. Oh, for sure. So we will see. So Vlad's at six. Vlad Vlad's the one Jays Jays uh,
1: player in the top He's ten.
2: T- yeah, him and Bo. I think Bo is up there too. Uh, let me. Uh, I thought I thought he was one of the top guys, but it could be wrong.
1: He'll go for a lot more in your draft yeah. because everyone's a Jays yeah. fan right now, and everyone's all horny about the start of the season and how Toronto's going to do. There's,
2: I mean, there's Jays premium and the drafting you know, Jets premium here uh, for hockey pools. I'm sure you know if you. Go, that's the key. You go to some hockey pool with your friends who are from Winnipeg, you go and snag Kyle Conner later, Nikolai, Nikolai Ulires, and you have a great pick. Yeah, no
1: doubt about it. Hey, it's your boy Bruce uh, beating me to it. The other thing that we need to get to, Kyle Lowry's return yesterday to Toronto to play against the Raptors for the first time as a member of the Miami Heat. What, it was awesome. I mean, the Raptors did an incredible job, you know, welcoming Kyle back. I love the fact that they wore the gold jerseys. Kind of, you know, uh, recognizing the 2019 championship that he was such a big part of. And, uh, you know, there's athletes. And I mean, I'm a, like, I love the Raptors. I watch some of the games. I'll be all over the playoffs. Uh, I certainly don't follow it like I do hockey or football. But the opportunity to watch a warrior like Kyle Lowry all those years, right to the top of the mountain with that championship in 2019. I mean he really is one of the most special athletes um you know not from a physical perspective but from like the heart that he shows and i heard odog talk on friday that he thinks lowry should get a statue and some guys were saying well what do you mean but he really is the face of this raptors franchise the one guy that stands out from the inception of it and uh, i'll tell you what remo the most automatic bet ever was yesterday on cool bet kyle lowry over
2: 14.5 points in his return to Toronto. He knew there was no way he was going to have a dud game. Wow, yeah, and he was a great player, you know, before they won the championship and part of the championship team. Incredible heart. Um, yep, I've a lot of uh, tweets on the weekend. The Groat, I don't know if you were familiar with this term, greatest Raptor of all time. That's what yep. the R is for. It took me a second to figure that one out, but I got it eventually, I got it. So, uh, yeah, great to see him back uh in toronto for for one night and you know getting a chance to be celebrated as they did have to play in well he was sorry he went to miami in the off season
1: yes indeed uh anyways shout out to kyle lowry the best to ever do it in a raptor jersey Mm -hmm. and um hey nice win for the heat as well i kind of thought the raps might win they were i think five and a half point or four and a half point favorites but uh miami they got the five point win led by raptor legend kyle lowry All right, Um, listen, we'll get to Cool Bet Lines in just a second. uh, April is here, and you know what that means, folks. The Canadian Club and Ginger Ale ready-to-drink cocktail. Good to go in Manitoba Liquor Marts, and a special promo all month long. When you buy Canadian Club, we'll also give you a can, a free can of the Canadian club and ginger ale to try. Uh, But if you want to dive right into it, I think most of you know how good CC and ginger is even better where you don't have to mix it, pick it up in six packs at your local Manitoba liquor Mart. So I wouldn't be surprised if it's popping into some of the better beer stores in town as well. Big thanks to Canadian club for their support of us. Winnipeg blue bomber season just around the corner. And of course our marble race, coming up on Friday afternoon. All right, to the CoolBet lines for tonight. And by the way, big shout out to Chris Abbott and our friends from CoolBet. Big, big day for them with uh, Ontario going full force is into the legalization of single game wagering. A little bit different for Ontarians dealing with CoolBet than we are right now, Uh, but business as usual for all of us in Manitoba over at CoolBet.com. We got four games tonight in the National Hockey League. The Bruins Our big road favorites at minus 233 going into CBUS to take on Line A and the Blue Jackets. Great matchup between the Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I did see something online today that was comparing, I guess with all the Ontario books out, comparing the odds. And um, best odds in the business, if you want to bet the Leafs tonight... All right, cool bet plus one eighteen. Most other books in and around plus one ten. Tampa, though, on the other hand, minus one thirty nine at Cool Bet for that game tonight. Coyotes and Blues. Hopefully, no one on the no one on the yeah. Blues scores
2: too skillful of a goal tonight. <laughs> I was gonna say, hopefully, you don't skill it up. Yeah, Coyote. no skilling it up tonight. You're playing Arizona. <laughs> I got I got Jordan Cairo in fantasy. Hopefully, he plays, but doesn't score too nice of a goal. <laughs> <laughs> minus four seventeen
1: for the Blues. And uh, the Calgary Flames (laughs) going into L.A. to take on the Kings, who are back in that first game back from the road trip after beating the Jets on Saturday. Calgary minus 179 on the road, and the Kings plus 151. Hey, just while we're at it, I see the season bets are up, and uh, you don't always get them on each and every day, but uh, they're there. Uh, Here's interesting. The Rocket Richard Trophy, Austin Matthews minus 286 Ream, Leon Mm -hmm. Dreisaitl
2: is at Two forty. Did they not both have fifty goals right now? Yeah, I think Dreisaitl got banged up. Um, he was shown limping, but yes, if they are even goals, then that would be they're afraid. Good okay, Val. they're afraid he's going to miss some time or something Maybe. like that because that doesn't make much sense if they're that's, both tied. That's the only thing I can think of. What about Hart Trophy? Seeing a lot. There's a lot of okay. The hot hockey topics this weekend. We didn't get into one of them, but the other one is the Hart Trophy debate. Has the Matthews plus one seventy. McDavid plus one eighty. I'm actually shocked at this chasm here. But do they need to change? Like, do they need to change it from the uh, valuable? It's like no one knows what it means. It's the stupidest thing ever. Uh, CFL gets it right where they just call it most outstanding player.
1: Yeah, we talked about that last I week. Know. I mean, there's another. Here are the odds right now. So it's basically a dead heat between Matthews and McDavid. Matthews is plus one seventy. McDavid's plus one eighty. Shostakin is six to one from the Rangers. Huberto ten to one, Johnny Gaudreau eleven to one, Drysital twelve, Ovi fifteen. You know what is crazy though? You go all the way down the list. McKinnon, plus five thousand. Well, like Macar- McKinnon plus four. That's kind of weird. I don't even see a number for Roman Yossi, or
2: am I just missing it? Uh, I don't know. Crosby's pretty low. Like the one thing about this valuable player, like it sucks that. A guy like Nathan McKinnon gets punished because his team's too good. It's always like the best. It's it's just the best guy on the team. Well, never mind him. I mean, what about McDavid?
1: I mean, a lot of people and Dusty was pointing this out today. People say, well, you know, with such a great season from Drysaitel, does that take away from the value uh, the value of the of the other player? And I mean, there's certainly an argument to be made for that. But as um, as Dusty said, well, doesn't Matthews play with Marner? And Martin's in the top five in scoring too, so it's a pretty similar situation. You know, I'll, I'll be honest, and again, I cannot believe that Roman Yossi's not on this list right now because um, you can certainly make an argument that Roman Yossi is as valuable to his team as any other player in the National Hockey League. And while we're looking at mentioning Yossi, this Norris Trophy number still is a head scratcher. Last week when we talked about it first, it was Makar minus 333 and Yossi was plus 300. Uh, Yosi is down to plus 250, but I think that's still great value on Yossi. And to me, that's a pick right now between these two clubs, uh, those two teams. And I'll tell you what, if we're talking about recency bias, the recency bias will certainly be in the favor of Yossi, depending on how he finishes, because he has been on fire for the better part of the schedule coming out of the All-Star break
2: yeah i uh, I'll agree with that uh, Manny Fran had a good comment in the chat like why isn't Marner taking away from Matthews votes? I mean Marner's having having an awesome season is it's probably because he's not uh, in Justin Bieber's corner at UFC That's probably why Matthews is taking away all the attention <laughs> and people don't like Mitch Marner's contract in Toronto i'm sure I'm sure those are the reasons. so if you had a vote, who are you voting right now like if you had to put in the uh, if you uh, had to put it in today it's Hard for me not to just give it to McDavid. Really, really hard. Uh, I just, he's just, he's the best player. What, he's the best player? I know, I guess there's a debate now with him and Matthews. Uh, I just think he just puts, uh, he's just the most value. if it's most valuable to his team, I think McDavid to the Oilers, I think they're done without him. So I'm going. McDavid. Yeah.
1: I mean, listen, I think you could say the same thing about Matthews, too. And yeah. again, I
2: know we're sort of picking you straws.
1: You really I mean, could. 50 goals, 50 goals with Matthews. And Matthews, I mean, we've talked a lot about Mark Schreifle getting points, but killing the team in his own end this year. Austin Matthews is um, light years ahead defensively of most of these other players in the conversation and has 50 goals and could very well win the mm-hmm. Rocket Richard. I think those guys should both definitely be finalists. Um, and I'll tell you what the season that Johnny Gaudreau's had, and this would be the same thing if he was doing it in somewhere like Winnipeg. Uh, it took a lot of a long time for people to start paying attention to the Calgary Flames this year, and um, the season Johnny's had is it might get overlooked by the voters, but I guarantee you it will not be overlooked by his agent and general managers when they get to the off season and he's got to sign a new deal.
2: This was crazy to me, Johnny Gaudreau plus forty eight in plus minus, leading the league, which. Ooh. You know him and Elias Lindholm. Their whole line is up there, which just shows you how much they've they've dominated. That's that's pretty crazy. And I think by comparison, Mark Shafley as well minus minus seventeen. It shows you how, you know how good of a player Johnny Gaudreau has been been this season. So I I agree. He's been he's been pretty awesome. I don't envy the the guys that have to cast the ballot this
1: year afterwards and then defend their choice because, I mean, I don't know whether there's really a wrong answer right now, but there's certainly a number of guys that are deserving of it. Well, maybe we'll see what happens in this final month of the season Mm -hmm. and how that might change things. Again, if you do want to – Bruce, come on. um, If you do want to uh, make a wager over a cool bet, whether it's on the Masters – oh, and by the way, I guess I sort of went through those four with dubs – Uh, But yes, the Masters is up right now. John Rahm is the favorite for the event. And uh, Justin Thomas coming up. uh, It's Rahm 12, JT 14. And then uh, Am Smith and Scotty Scheffler at 17 to 1. Um, You can check out that entire list and uh, think about a few of those long shots we talked about. Sungjae Am, Tony Finau, and I love Dub's suggestion of Corey Connors. They'll probably be getting a little sprinkle as well. We'll have some more Masters talk in the next couple of days before they tee it up on Thursday over at Augusta. And again, use the promo code WST at CoolBet.com for your first deposit if you haven't made one before. And we'll double that deposit up to $200, uh, a 100% bonus. Big thanks to Chris. And again, congrats to the boys on everything happening in Ontario today. All right, Remo, before we go... Um I did want to leave this cuz I know there's some people that aren't as uh, fond of the art of sports entertainment but um your thoughts on WrestleMania overall I mean, we've got a little bit more time right now to me I still can't believe how awesome Pat McAfee was I'm a big big McAfee guy um with what he's done off the field retiring as a pro bowl NFL player and creating um you know his show his brand everything about it now doing commentary for the WWE and stealing the show last night in a uh, a match at WrestleMania.
2: Well, I joked that I was feeling like uh, like it was 1999 on the weekend I watched. On Friday, I watched uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers with John Frusciante on the uh, Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon, and then I'm watching Stone Cold Steve Austin headlining <laughs> uh, WrestleMania. And, you know, um, yeah, I thought Sunday night there was the Pat McAfee match, which was... I mean, he's awesome. I Me mean, coming out with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, hunting the football, uh, and then Stone Cold Steve Austin on Saturday and Sunday. Now, Saturday was the Kevin Owens, and he came out, and I think you weren't really sure how he was going to go, in. I think early on it looked not great. Um, this is a 57-year-old guy in the ring, but when they got to the outside of the ring and he took what? He put his head into the turnbuckle, one time, I was like, oh, man, that looked pretty legit. And then he got suplexed on the concrete. I was like, oh, geez. He grabbed
1: uh, his hat. I'm like, oh, my God. Did he Did he take that one right in the dome? Um, yeah. Because that, that is somewhat dangerous.
2: Yeah, but then, you know, Stokoe went and gave him the double suplex, uh, you know, ride right around on the ATV. Uh, it was pretty awesome. So I was shocked. I was shocked at, you know, that he was able to do that, 57 years old. But to do it, I think... You know, Dallas, Texas, he's from Texas, Texas Rattlesnake, in front of a uh, pack crowd, I think it was around 80,000, not quite 100K in Jerry World. I mean, you don't turn that down. I'm sure he got paid pretty well too, but hadn't been in in-ring action uh, for quite some time. Uh, last match was against The Rock, so. I mean, usually comes out, you know, does a couple of stunners, but never an actual actual match. So it was pretty impressive, uh, you know, when well done. I didn't, actually didn't know that Kevin o- Kevin Owens was Canadian. And I didn't know that, oh, yeah. he was, that he was French, too. I had no idea.
1: Maryville, Quebec. Very yeah. bilingual, bilingual star. And for my money, one of the best guys on the microphone. I mean, his disses of the people of Texas, I mean, yeah. playing the heel was absolutely top drawer. I mean, honestly, I like that stuff even more than the actual quote-unquote wrestling. Just the, you know, the uh, hilarious comedy that comes with insulting 75,000 people at once. Uh, But yeah, he was great. Stone Cold was awesome. The Vince fiasco was amazing. The the best part of the whole thing was the way McAfee took, this, took the stunner, though, from Stone Cold. I mean, that was absolute art. Uh, Main event last night did end, I think, prematurely because I think Roman Reigns literally had his shoulders separated by Brock Lesnar in that Kimura move or whatever, and they had to end it quickly. Um, but to me, I think Saturday actually stole the show from Sunday. And I know Waiters was just asking, yeah, Cody Rhodes back after his time with AEW returned to the WWE, beats Seth Rollins. But uh, overall, I'm with Mike McIntyre. It far exceeded my expectations and uh, was a really, really fun weekend. And uh was nice to have something fun and enjoyable to watch coming
2: out of that hockey game downtown on Saturday night. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and well said by Waiters and chat. Stunners and beers uh, never gets old. I, yeah, I'm watching the style of people being on the receiving end of the stunners. You said Pat McAfee, and uh, who was the guy who took it on Saturday, um, the announcer? I don't know that guy. He was in the suit. Oh, Byron Saxton. Yeah, he took it pretty good, and so did um, Austin Theory as well. So, uh, yes, 57-year-old Stone Cold Steve Austin, 76-year-old Vince McMahon. I mean, there were some other... I wanted to watch this Johnny Knoxville match. I'm a big jackass guy. It sounds hilarious. And um, but who else? Cody Rhodes came out, yeah. Yeah, what, well,
1: Kabilis. Logan Paul, heel status was great. He and The mm. Miz were awesome. They were going up against the Mysterios, who, of course, their legendary friendship with uh, Eddie Guerrero, the late Eddie Guerrero. And Logan Paul did all of Eddie Guerrero's moves, just inciting right. the fans. People were going crazy at it. And... Uh, they ended up winning. And hey, shout out to anyone that was with us on Friday when we were looking at the betting odds for WrestleMania. Because if you followed some of those picks, you ended up doing quite well. Charlotte, remember we talked about Charlotte Remo? Plus 450, cash that, beat Ronda Rousey. Bobby Lashley, plus 135. He won. And the plus 106 on Logan Paul and The Miz also came through as well yesterday. So, uh, I mean, again, low limits. I mean, it is sports entertainment, but it was a lot of fun to be actually winning bets as well as watching WrestleMania.
2: I saw a promo for like DraftKings during WrestleMania when they're like, yeah, join our pool where you can predict which move is going to be performed first in the main event. Is it going to be the F5 or the spear? I was like, (laughs) oh my God, this is what they're doing? Like, holy, we could be in for some trouble here if you can bet on sports entertainment. Um... Before everyone, everyone leaves, you know, now that we're talking wrestling, do you want to bring it back to the one hot hockey topic of the weekend we never touched on? Keith Yandel, the Iron Man streak ended. Oh, yeah, uh, what, 989? Healthy, healthy scratch. Didn't, didn't let him get to 1,000. People are hot. I don't know which one's more polarizing, this one or the... Uh, They're hot. The They're G- hot that... Listen, I'm with
1: Mike Rupp, and I don't know if you saw Mike Rupp's take on this, but... They have cheapened this record both by playing Keith Yandel way past when they should have be playing him in Philly for a team that's season over and needs to play some younger players. And I'm not sure whether Yandel is legit in their top six. But the Coyotes did it too. I mean, to bring a private jet in for Phil Kessel and let him play a shift and then leave? Yes. Just so you could keep that going? I mean, like you think that Doug Jarvis was getting a – you know, was playing a shift and then leaving and getting a private jet to take him to the birth of his kid or whatever you need to. No way. So, uh, listen, I, I think that this entire record between both of these guys is, you know, taking a little bit of the luster off of the true meaning of Iron Man right now. But from Philly's perspective, they're out of it. They've got young players they want to play. They're looking ahead to next season. I mean, Yandel isn't. If Yandel had played his entire career there, then maybe, I mean, I certainly think that, you know, Mike Babcock's biggest douche move of all time was benching Mike Medano for the last game, which would have been 1,000 for his career and having him finish with 999. But this is a very different story right now. Um, You know, the Kessel thing, I mean, just to keep it going was one thing. And to be honest, there's no reason for Keith Yandel to be taking up a spot in the Flyers lineup right now. I think they kept him in for a long time to keep this thing going. Ah, uh, but they got to think about themselves first. And hey,
2: congratulations
1: on nine eighty nine in a row—an incredible record.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And here, M- was fourteen ninety nine, one away from 15- oh fifteen hundred. 1500. 1500. Sorry 1500. about 1500. that. I heard that. But um, yeah, I kind of I thought the Phil Kessel thing, playing one shift to like keep it going, is such a farce. And um, Keith Yano seems like he's been you know fringe guy for a while, and they want to try other guys And this like record. Is like holding them hostage on what they want to do now. You know, it's. I mean, how much do they owe the? Do they owe this guy? You know, people are saying, "Oh, they should have." You know, they're out of it. Let him get to a thousand. But I mean, if you're not good enough, you're not good enough. And it seems like he's kind of been on the fringe for a while. And I don't yeah, know. They, they just didn't want... he
1: was going to be benched, I believe, before in Florida, and they sort of got shamed into keeping him in the lineup. There mm. was all this outrage for it, and then it's just sort of continued through. So. Hey, Philly's got to do what they got to do, and uh, they're on the next season. And Ethan isn't part of the uh, part of the, uh, the the solution or the future there. Um, so, sitting him out for a game, I can't blame them, and uh, I'm sure he probably feels the same way. Although he might be pissed, he's not going to get to a thousand.
2: Yeah, I mean, I guess you'd be pissed off, but I don't know. Maybe be a better player, and then you can get it. Then you can get in there, but. I don't know. We'll have to find out what the. Uh, I'm not a hockey guy. We'll have to find out what the real hockey guys think about that. <laughs> think about yeah. That talk one. to someone That's... who
1: played the game. Well, Mike yeah.
2: Rupp played the game, and he said that they were bastardizing this
1: record, and um, he didn't understand, and I'm sort of with uh, with him on that take. Um, all right, great show. We got to get these pods up, so mm-hmm. uh, we will uh, end it there, folks. Uh, but love we'll more on Jets practice tomorrow. A uh, look ahead to the game against the Red Wings on Wednesday. We'll also have more Masters content and uh, finish up, obviously, tonight's uh, March Madness we'll get to. I'm sure that'll be an entertaining game Uh, and maybe something on the Blue Jays because first pitch is, uh, what, 72 hours away. Cannot wait for baseball season to get going as well. Hey, big thanks to all the sponsors that make Winnipeg Sports Talk happen every day, including Wallace & Wallace. Great to have them on board. F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Breezy Bend, Not Auto Corp, Little Brown Jug, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Nick & Nicky DQ Group, Canadian Club Whiskey, and, of course, our friends over at Cool Bet Canada. Folks, have a great night tonight. We'll see you tomorrow, 1 o'clock, right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a great night.
4: Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home!
3: Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at
4: winnipegsportstalk.com.